fire tribe, where you at? I hope you're ready, rising from the ashes and it's getting heavy Conspiracies, we got plenty and some are scary From aliens to Bigfoot, extraordinary, yeah, yeah Danunaki Dan and the homie Romy I was bugging out, all the crazy things he showed me Jesus bloodlines to the stars in the skies Always a good time, vibing with the fire tribe Hey, So wake up, wake up, get it cracking Rise out the ashes, I know you got a passion Kick off the convo with theories, many conspiracies Other dimensions, plenty ancient history Fire tribe, where you at? Wake up we about to get into it, I know you can't get enough At home, at work, it don't matter, turn it up Rising from the ashes, you know what's up hey. uh, Rising from the ashes Hello everyone and welcome to Rising From the Ashes I'm Danu Naki Dan I'm the Jack-O-Lantern Man Homie Romy <laughs> What's up Jack? Oh, just enjoying the nice uh, Nice beautiful day here in California How you doing sir? Fan fucking fantastic. Nice. Yeah, man. Uh a little news. Check out the Patreon. Three dollars a month. All the episodes you can handle. Yes. So much. So much good stuff. So much. I just interviewed Slick Dissident and Benjamin Balderson. Uh part two of the Deep Chill with Andy. Uh reading the box saga Atlantis is going to be coming out soon. So go check that shit out. Um, also, uh, we are going to, this is going to be the last intro that we do for RFTA. Uh, we're moving our intros over to the Sunday slow burn. And now uh, we're going to be doing that show live in about a month. And we'll be doing, book reads and articles and stuff like that that pertain to the guests on the show there and then we'll have live interactions with that so we won't be doing uh intros on the show we'll be doing little like five minute ones and then maybe like a little 10 minute prologue after the show um but that's about it uh makes it easier for us to do so we don't have to get together all the time to do that and then um, we can put out episodes faster because we won't have to wait to get intros done. So check that out. Um, what else is going on, man? Uh, you know, just, yeah, like shout out to all the beautiful patrons. Thank you guys so much for believing in us. Um, and uh, we'll shine through to the end. Telegram also great community on there. You guys are amazing. Yeah. Um, those, it's getting a lot more active now, too, which is fantastic people are sharing a lot more and we're having some good conversations on there so yeah I love, I love it man people are becoming friends it seems like you know we're sharing pictures of our faces so people <laughs> know what each other look like it's a big deal you know we're we're more that we're just we're, we're we're trying to break the ice more than just the internet you know so it's it's pretty cool man uh yeah. you know for the time that we got it let's fucking do it let's use it let's let's be active everybody so jump on over there if you're not already subscribed to the telegram come see what's happening and uh and yeah sign up, sign up for the patreon no doubt yeah. yeah what do you got going on over there i know you got some new shows you got a full calendar of all kinds of stuff going down <laughs> yeah this Maybe month made some heavy. appearances somewhere to tell people about those ones also man Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was on my buddy Ryan Singer's show. It's called, um, if you guys are into paranormal stuff, he's a paranormal researcher, investigator, comedian, and uh, he's had a podcast for eight years. So he's pretty OG. 
in that realm. Uh, but it's called me and paranormal you and, um, it's great conversation and yeah. So you can check that out. I'm going on to Grimerica tomorrow to do the presentation, the antiquated transhumanism, uh, uh presentation. So that'll be good. And, uh, and yeah, man, we, we got a lot of fucking really sweet, uh, stuff lined up for the uh patreon and i'm going to this festival next weekend so i should hopefully catch a bunch of live recording there i'm gonna ask people random questions about atlantis what they think just yeah you know at a festival at like this like super hipped out festival with a bunch of hippies so should be able to get some good content for you guys there (laughs) excellent that should be fun that's gonna be on the patreon yeah buddy excellent yeah um yeah, man. Uh, so let's get into a little R F T A news you can trust. Angel dust. What you got for us today, homie? I got a quick serped, a little thought piece for the uh, the wrapping up of the uh, Atlantis month. Um, and you know it's. It's hard to wrap uh, wrap up such a deep concept, and, and I'm sure we're going to do another full dedicated month to this, as we should, as, as more things are always getting found out, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, this goes back as far as uh, any true literature and written history goes. Yeah, I uh, just want to say real quick, too, like next month, uh, April, we're going to be getting into more of America's civilizations, you know. Uh, pre-Columbia and Toltecs and uh, what was going on in America kind of after all this Atlantis stuff or or current with Atlantis, you know, what was going on in America. And so that's what we're going to be talking about for next month. So stay tuned for that because that's going to be awesome as well. And uh, yeah, go ahead, man. Sorry to interrupt you. No worries. No worries. Yeah, I am excited about next month. Uh <laughs> I'm always excited because we're always having great shows. So, you know, uh, and we're always learning more. So each episode we're like, we're like, okay, how can we learn so much here? Learn so much here. And it just gets, it, it keeps expounding. And, and so we learn together as a community and you guys are great. So, um, here we go. Deluge, flood, cataclysm, whether it's mystical or referencing a land in the time void, or it is a part of the ever changing face of our planet. The timing of divinity has brought it back around the wheel. Podcasters are talking about it. History channels are circling back around. And is this because the heartbeat of civilization revolves around the roots of Atlantis and Lemuria today? Yes. Okay. Yes. (laughs) We run rich in antiquated methods and technology. Modern science is only confirming facts that have been pulled from nature and original philosophy, which stems from the Greek word, uh, Greek language and word of philo, which is to love and adorn, and Sophia, whom is the overall mother goddess of all wisdom. So philosophy is the art of loving knowledge, which comes from these ancient lands. This theme that runs rich in the blood of our collective consciousness about aliens also stems from this original home. True technology blends with nature. 
as it is a reflection of the cosmic codes. And imagining a time of antediluvian world, we imagine technology in the sense of how it is familiar to us currently, and dare I say, in its modernity. But thankfully, the Hollywood movies like Predator, you can almost gauge how beautifully in sync true technology is a branch from nature and its cosmic code. And we've had multiple guests tell us that these lost lands were started by otherworldly beings for one reason or another, on purpose or fault, or by surveying lands in a crash landing. Either way, the roots of civilization are alien in one form or another, whether it's the sense of unfamiliarity or the paranormal sense actually being from other worlds. This could mean terraforming and creating an atmosphere or finding the right conditions and utilizing them. I imagine it's like foraging for food in the forest. You will walk by hundreds of trees and plants before you find a wild black cap raspberry bush that can nutritionalize yourself. They're abundant only in the conditions of the forest that suit the livelihood of that fruit-bearing bush. Well, that being said, you can take a sterilized cut of that bush and make a new bush grow from a three-inch cut. You can then remove all other plants from that area and plant a hundred raspberry plants that will change the environment but not kill it. It is the truest form of nature. In the sense of this cosmic code in the galactic forest can be manipulated by farmers. And I have a feeling that there's terraformed galaxies with numerous fruit-bearing planets, potentially. Well, wrapping it back to our Earth and things we can relate to, Lumeria and Atlantis likely were involved. Lovers, potentially. Lumeria having the sweet, serene spirit, uh, spirituality, and that calming blue flow. And Atlantis being the high-tech father figure of drunken power, crippling faults of lust and lavishness. Yet the opposition of these lands are more likely the rulers of these lands is how we have the mashed union of society today, the left and the right brain. Then both are a part of us. We are the entirety of that union. The ability to tap into both of these energies is thick through true, uh, through and true to the tap into the thick bark of the Yggdrasil. You must do the work necessary. If your eyes are being clamped, you must force them open. If your lungs are being suppressed, you must breathe. And if your lips are being pinched, you must scream, wander until your legs are no more. For sitting is a reward, an accomplishment, a benefit, purpose is knowledge, and to understand thyself. And to heal from suppression and to release your expression. Ask yourself the history. You will be satisfied with the work inside the trials. Yeah. That's a good summary of everything, huh? I think so. Solid, man. Yeah, I mean, um, through through our guests this month so far, like I've kind of just, uh, everything's been coming up box saga for me personally. Like uh, everything that's kind of in that box saga story kind of in some ways or some not ways relates uh, back to there or maybe like a little bit of a telephone game um you know sadly our our interview with sarah breskman cosme uh got messed up and we weren't able to put that out this month um but we have exertus in its place and it's fantastic he wraps up everything kind of nicely and puts it in a bow and 
uh, super lots of information in this episode. Uh, but we will be having Sarah on next month, hopefully. And so we'll be able to get into that. But uh, some of the things that she talks about is super fascinating that kind of relates back to all this. So uh, stay tuned for that next month. But yeah, uh, you know, everything just kind of, like I said, goes back to box saga. Everything kind of points to this Northern place. Everything points that maybe there was two separate continents, one of Atlantis, one of Lemuria. Uh, oftentimes people will say, you know, like, they're one in the same. They're connected. It's the same place. I think Atlantis was the time period, and this this place of Lumeria was just a ringland of Atlantis called by a different name. Or uh, maybe it was another origin civilization, just like Atlantis was. Atlantis was the North Pole, and Lumeria was more towards the South Pole before the tilt. And then it kind of moved up or it was Antarctica in some way. Uh, there's lots of connections to Lemuria and the moon and the moors and all of these different things. So I think that's all really interesting and some stuff that I want to kind of research and get deeper into. Uh, maybe as we go through the America concept, maybe some of that will come out a little bit more in kind of those civilizations that existed in America. So that's why I'm really looking forward to next month because it's going to bring forward a bunch more stuff. And then uh, we're in uh, May, we're doing Missing in May, and we're going to be getting into some of the alien intervention possibilities, you know, and and talking about some of those things and gone missing and maybe these zones of, you know, people often talk about these national parks as like, portals to other realms i think that's also another fascinating aspect of this whole you know atlantis america or Mu america i mean maybe it was a convergence of both here in america just like it was in the opposite side of the world um you can see it kind of in the in the hindu story right of the maharabharata is you have this convergence of of two opposing peoples fighting against each other and to me, that's kind of like Mu fighting into Atlantis. And maybe that was also going on here in America, West Coast and East Coast. Uh, so uh, I do wish to get into that. But I wanted to tell you guys that I, I broke down a couple words lately. Uh, and it might be nothing. I might just be, you know, uh, fucking making shit up. But I mean... It's interesting to me, at least. So you're rolling off your intuition, man. Don't, don't, don't deny it. That's I'm fine. just saying. I'm just saying it might not be a, a correct interpretation, but the word L E N, alien. If you say it, you spell it slightly different as L E L I, and A N. It's a uh, Lord of Anu or the Lords of Anu. And who are the lords of Anu, the Anunnaki, and where do they come from? Debatable, but some would, uh, we could confer that maybe they come from Lemuria and Mu and like Sumeria. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. Also, Anu is really kind of associated with like the north. So the lords of Anu could be like, um, the angels from from the ark 
uh, from the Arctic Circle. So that could also be another thing. So maybe that's describing where these alien people are coming from, these Caucasian people that everybody else in the world is, you know, of darker complexion. And so when they see these white people, they're like, who the fuck are these aliens? Um, another word is cataclysm, right? Cataclysm. I always have a hard time saying that word, but <laughs> a cataclysm. Uh, if you break that word down, it's kata, kata, which, uh, refers to like catacombs, right? The honeycombs, the underground, the subterranean. And then chasm would be a chat, like a chasm, like a deep hole. So a catechism would be like a opening up or a sinkhole within, uh, the ground. So it, that's in often people talk about Atlantis being swallowed up. So a catechism would be a, a, like a giant sinkhole that would swallow up a land. So well, Florida's full of sinkholes. So it's pretty, pretty much <laughs> yeah, a part, right? of, part of Atlantis, right? Right. Bimini road. Uh, there's pyramids in Cuba. I just heard that there's pyramids in Illinois and like Indiana, uh, Georgia. Uh, so there's, you know, there's a lot of things going on in America that they don't talk about. Uh, giant bones. Uh, I have a whole book right here by uh, Richard Dewhurst called The Ancient Giants Who Ruled America. And it goes through the Smithsonian cover-up of all these giant bones that they have found in the, in America. There's even stories of the Mormons finding giant bones in America. Uh, if you go back to the interview with Adam Stokes uh, that we did on the show, we talk a little bit about that on there. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff going on with America that we kind of, that modern society kind of shuns down. I know a lot of you guys are aware of this. Uh, there's lots of different stories of how that connects to Egypt, too, and Memphis. And um, Gabe, uh, Slick Dissident, does a lot of cool interesting things with the territories about this where he shows like how like the mississippi river is closer related to the nile and even other cities mount sinai corresponds to uh yellowstone park uh and, and like it's it's so fascinating it's almost like the other side of the world is a mirror of this side of the world you know what i mean and maybe it's it's perplexing in some ways but it's also very fascinating so um that that's kind of like my segment for the news i don't you know uh i I could read books and shit all day but um you know uh, i'll save that for the next for uh the Sunday slow burn. I would rather hear your, uh, you know, your opinion on 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 this wrap up as opposed to you know, reading yeah. a cert from a book because it's it's more you know it's more you man it's more authentic. Yeah, I think uh, you know we'll kind of just give a little in the beginning uh, tell you why we wanted the guest on the show, what we're trying to explain by having the guest on the show, and then at the end, kind of wrap up what we kind of learned and how that fits into what we're already have been talking about, uh, in a deeper way, you know? So, uh, I kind of look forward to that new format a little bit. I think it's going to be more beneficial to the understanding. Um, and then, you know, as always, we'll be doing 
reads of articles and books and everything other places. So sign up for the Patreon and get that action. Uh, so today on the show, we have Exertus, Andreas Exertus, the human encyclopedia. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's awesome. He's great. You can ask him one question. He can go on for a half hour about it and go into different tangents and just keep going and going and going. He's the fucking energizer bunny, man. Um, but he's fantastic. Uh, he has so much information in his head and uh, some of it mind blowing, man. So uh, we we go into a deep conversation with him about everything, about Lemuria, about Atlantis, how that connects to Tartaria. Uh, we even talk a little bit about Tartaria. We talk about so there's so many things we talk about, man, because we jump around to so many things. Uh, so it's a really great conversation. Uh, do you have anything else to add, Roman? No, man. Let's get into it. Let's get the people what they want. All right, let's get into it. Andreas Exertus. Wake. Wake. Uh, Number two, the invaders from a distant land, which I understand to be Atlantis. up everybody welcome to rising from the ashes i'm danny Naki dan i am the homie romy what what the fuck is up That's and good. i'm on Andreas apparently today yeah what's up <laughs> we're here with andreas exertus how you doing man i'm fantastic i'm really glad to be here it's really oh, yeah. wonderful to see you how are you i'm yeah i'm glad we finally got to connect man you know uh we we've been wanting to have you on the show for a while and Last time didn't work out well, but it's fine. I apologize. Uh, but the deep irony is that just now no we had a good hour of content that's probably worth ten thousand dollars. We should have pulled <laughs> that, but it's secret, hit? and you're not allowed to know anybody. So we're starting over. Well, yeah, the you- last time you were going to be on, you uh, went actually to go to on the Infowars, bro. How was that? 
Oh man. So things have been wild in every respect of my life. I don't even remember which occurrence or which time <laughs> you're talking about now. So there's like the amount of interactions I've had, luckily, like to yeah. become, be, to be able to befriend Alex Jones and to know the InfoWars team has been really wild. Um, and also, you know, working with Tim Cast has been amazing. Now I'm doing the Open Network Foundation with Tim and Ian to create this replacement to Facebook and YouTube and Google so that we can both have an uncensored opportunity to speak, but really more to replace the unipolarity of the intranet so that now if someone did try to censor you because it's the we're painting the roses red today and they don't want you to speak about this today, but tomorrow, who knows, because morals are so plastic right now at least then you could put it on another place and then that way someone can see it so we've been doing a lot of the crazy stuff like that and i'm also doing this documentary where i'm traveling across the united states and to brazil and we're continuing the tartaria tour by looking at moorish and uh portuguese ah, and Spanish. there we go yeah. There's a lot of great, well, it's funny. Someone said recently on the internet, there's this guy who's associated with Hotep Jesus. And he said, I don't, I don't like um, how, and isn't it terrible how people look at the great wall of China and they don't even look at the walls in Songhai or Timbuktu or some of these walls that are much bigger than China. And I said, well, if it helps the word more means wall. Mm. So realistically, we still do have these. It's just, we've worked so hard to erase it, but. Anyway, that's what I'm up to. How have you tell been? us more? So, so, yeah, so Mauritania would be like wall land. Well, so okay, so this gets into. I did an interview a couple of days ago with Alexander Dugan. He's like everyone thinks is the devil is Putin's Rasputin, but really he's like the most awesome. Wait, guy. the fuck? You talked to Dugan two days ago? Yeah, yeah. You should see the interview. It's really important because he talks about Tartaria. He talks about Atlanticism. He talks about the differences between the two. I recently made a video before this about um, Shakespeare talking about Alex, um, Sir Francis Bacon's connection to <laughs> New Atlantis. Now, New Atlantis, yeah. if you follow along with my series on Exertus.com and YouTube you'll, and the Odyssey and whatever, you'll get to the point where you see that there was a group of Rosicrucians and Freemasons and Jesuits Really, there's a group of guys who are changing everything. And this is the same time that they're changing, when I say everything, I mean, ale wives are replaced with brewer monks, like everything. Like the entire society goes from Bach, Mm -hmm. matriarchal to patriarchal, to the control of a queen who has little power, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they thought that they would build this new thing. Now, again, Shakespeare was, if you watch my Alexander War talk, probably not just Bacon, but it's based on life of ed devere it's likely it was a lot of the time written by ed devere you can see this there's a hundred examples watch the talk but what you'll find is this idea that if shakespeare was talking about these things that he learned from devere who devere had tutors like thomas knoll thomas knoll who presented the beowulf uh text and the original tales from the east tales from tartary which were in the knoll codex then we start to realize okay well there's a bunch of evidence that these guys knew about tartary they knew about hermes trimagistus they were thinking about him at least they thought hey we live in a society where there's not electricity but they keep telling us there were these again quote from sir francis bacon's new atlantis orbs of light illuminating out of glass without fire i mean Mm -hmm. can you can you be more clear you know to someone who doesn't understand electricity but then we have the arabs that have also brought this technology from the Songhai Empire through the Caliphate, the Cordoba Caliphate into Spain and into Holland, which is controlled by Spain. So we see the immediate emergence of this technology from this former empire. And 
this idea that also there's a difference between the two kinds of empires. A lot of the time, the biggest thing I've been saying for years about Tartaria and about the reset and prehistory in general is that anthropologists and uh, today's archaeologists who are divided, by the way, because one is looking at something and not knowing what it is, and someone else is theorizing what it is without looking at it. So we have this really crazy 20th century of archaeologists, anthropologists not working together. But you realize that the ancient world was not based on war, but trade. And this is a huge revelation, apparently, to academics, because their Mm -hmm. idea is that every society is built on war. But I'm not the only one saying this. You know, I got this from my teachers. Uh, You go back even further to Mexico and you look at the Incan and Mayan and Aztec empires. The way things worked originally was a lot more feudalistic, a little bit closer to the, the Russian system of feudalism it's, and European system. It's not exactly the same, but the deal is there wasn't money. Instead, there was already a lack of scarcity. Mm-hmm. So if you chose to be part of the empire, then you would end up working where the emperor needed you. And there's all sorts of systems of algebra used to figure out where there would be floods, famines, and they would store grains. They would have these huge feasts. It was all about bettering and beyond your lack of scarcity already being autonomous you could further yourself and further the society by working towards an enterprise so this is a very interesting thing because it's literally the definition of trade and trade has been the foundation for our modern world so isn't it interesting this idea that the modern world is not based on war even though we want it to be we we the only thing based on war is scarcity isolationism uh etc cetera, etc cetera. but what we found is this multipolar world existed back then that existed in the triangular trade system that the portuguese who had been slaved themselves the britain the britons who'd been slaved themselves had also learned this system there's a reason why in 1066 the bottom and manumissions freed all the britons because they were all slaves and you look at portugal as the same thing there's a reason why caste systems and the word for uh classism in portuguese comes from the vedic idea of caste system because this transcends the Turanian uh, empire, this Turan being what, you know, pseudo-Turkologists in the 19th century referred to Tartaria because they said, hey, isn't it weird that Istanbul and Constantinople are in Turkey? Maybe there's an Indo-European migration of Turks. And then, the, and then the world went wild. They're like, how could that possibly be? Turks are weird and their language is different. And so there was a lot of, you know, racism there. But when you start to realize that the Turks have been taught and, the Ugaric uh, language, you know, again, the double-headed eagle. Yeah, the double. Well, and then you know, there's the Austro-Hungarian, uh, Slavic, Slavonian Empire. So that bullet from you know the Franz Ferdinand and the whole World War One, they wanted three heads. They were about to put a third head. They wanted a left, right, and one looking straight at you for the Austro-Slavonian Hungarian, also Hungarian Slavonian Empire. They're going to include the Czech Republic. And it was going to extend, and Serbia was not down with Yugoslavia <laughs> joining that. So, but there was a, okay, so but looking at the links between the two cultures, the reason I brought all of that up was literally because wi- uh, wind power exists on both land and sea. So they all have this connection. And there's the turbines, and we see the Dutch windmills, mm, et cetera. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. is a huge difference between the land and the sea. The land is all about trying to conserve as much value from the land as you can get. And if something works, you're like, well, my dad did this, right? But in C, there's chaos. There's there's constants. There's grown to be more tradition in C, but really the C is by function a more technological venue. 
And so by going to C and having a C power, you're at odds with traditionalism. And Dugan talked about this on my show, and I thought it was a really relevant point. There's a dynamic that's happened in this endless summer trade system between the Tartarians and the Scythians and the Indo-Aryans. It refers to the difference between land and sea and tradition and modernity, but really it's futurism versus traditionalism. And the problem is they milieu into modernity and modernity is at odds with the future and the past because, and this is also why trans transfiguration of humanity and their ideologies and their biology is happening because they're trying to fit, from either being futurist or traditionalist, being different or being too X-Men, that they uh, have the to fit. Modernity in the middle. That's modernity is a, tra- a tragedy fascinating. of Fascinating. Fascinating. Right. Wow. That's super fucking fascinating. I never really think about that because, uh, you know, you have both of these fixed, right? You have the past and the future, which are That's like fixed. Alchemy. And then the modern is like the sea of chaos of constants of chaos. wow what a fascinating uh but but also you can, you can get worried yeah. about it you can get worried about it because you can think about um uh, ramdas and you can think about this idea of be here now and there's a difference between now and modernity because now is not modernity now mm. is now is a lot closer related to the future and the past because they are at least like concepts modernity is contemporaneousness it's just literally mm. it's grasping from the future and from the past and it's refusing to be in the now in order to maintain and this is why so much of the now is about augmenting yourself to fit and it's not just i don't mean you know this at any specific group because any kid who's being told they have to take amphetamines to go to his class in the morning early and they have to take sleeping pills to go to bed at night and they have to take antipsychotic schizophrenia pills and SSRIs to stop the twitches they're getting from taking the uppers and downers in between. Then maybe we should start fixing the freaking modernity instead of trying to fix the kid, right? And it could form the kid. So it of course is a logical consequence that we have transgender, transhuman, transfiguration, in every respect, because what we're talking about is that no one's allowed to be themselves. And we should be able to say, from traditionalism that, you know, women were stronger in the past. Uh, they were allowed to have more powerful roles, et cetera. Maybe we should allow strong women to exist. And also, hey, you know, men wore eye- eyeshadow in Persia. Relax. Mm. You know, and so there's a you way that we, we could probably just say, hey, you're allowed to be yourself. And we're going to break down the normative gender roles or social class roles of socioeconomic prejudice that are actually, in, this is so funny. When I say that, say it that way. I feel like if you're on the left, you'd love me, right? Like that's exactly what they should be wanting to hear. But instead they're saying, no, 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 no. We have to bend ourselves to these modernities tradition of, of what a woman and a man and a person is. And so, you know, we have to be very careful because we've created a new kind of conservatism of modernity, not of tradition or of futurism. I'm, I'm picturing like, uh, you know, you have the, the left arm, the right arm, but then you got the spine. Right. The, uh, yeah, and hermetic laws, right. Everything is, it's two, but then there's the Hermes itself, which is the third, the thrice great right there. Cause all of the hermetic laws are like, you know, correspondence or polarity. And they're, they're like, you have this, this and the balance, but then there's still the thing that is balancing everything, which is, you know, the ethereal situation within that. Um, that's very yeah. philosophical and beautiful. Thank you, Zertus, for that. That was cool. 
I, I, I couldn't help myself. And I said beautiful to Alexander Dugan as well. I was like, beautiful. That's the correct <laughs> word. But you, you think about um, Albert Pike and, you know, he wrote about the Veda. He talked about Mu to an extent, but didn't understand the title Mu because he was translating from Germans. And this is like something that we, I think we mentioned earlier, Tartaria, the Persians referred to it as Tataya because they didn't pronounce the R's. Mm. And then there was the re- revelation that originally, the, yeah, that Tata. <laughs> For now. And, <laughs> and but there was also the original pronunciation of the d sound. So dia dia dia. It could have been that it was, you know, da, dada, dadaism is you know, and this is something that they realized at the time that the pan uh tyrannism, uh Hungarian tyrannism, um pseudo-turkology was all taking off in the nineteenth century, all the aka Tartarianisms that existed in the nineteenth century. That people were like, hey, a couple generations ago. My grandpa was talking about this crazy thing, lights at night. What's up with that? So they were looking at, oh, there's great architecture. They already knew that this was Dadaism. But now, this is kind of like modernity and now, the Orwellianness of the term. Dadaism is used to refer to the complete destruction of art. And they, I mean, I'm sorry, but it's just, what it, what is Dadaism? Do you remember from eighth grade? Because they made you look at it at school. And it was like a pony made out of a sawhorse or like a cube and all of modernism and all this crazy modern art, they call it modern art, that it's not even, there's nothing to it. I'm not even, maybe you can find something in Pollock, maybe you can find something in some of the abstractions of art, Picasso, et cetera. But pure Dadaism is the complete destruction of realism and of symmetry and of perspective, right? So that is the original style of art that exists in Tartaria. I mean, clearly we look at this, form and function and we find it everywhere right hmm. yeah is that how do you spell dadaism is it with the with t's d-a 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 okay, yeah but of it. course but you have to remember with the bach this idea of like how important sounds are so when i went to south america i was always like wow bali bali dale because that means valiant in three different areas but all in spanish because mm. the b's and d's and v's will be pronounced and th is because there was a princess in, in in Spain, who couldn't speak properly, she had a lisp. So they said, "Now everyone has to pronounce it like that." Barcelona. <laughs> I mean, there's, so this happens to people that an entire language can be, you know, shifted. And so that's a this is an interesting thing about recorded sounds and Phoenicians, because you know, Euclid is was it, from Tyre, which is a Phoenician city, but it's Tar. Is Tar Tartada Rex? Is that like the beast, the beast system? Tartatus Saurus Rex. Is that what, what did you say? What was that one word you said earlier? Tar uh, something. Tar. Uh, Taran? Yeah, Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh, oh the yeah. System. Very interesting because, you know, George, uh, George Saurus is uh, this guy who's named after. <laughs> but but Saurus, Saurus, literally like a dinosaur or a, yeah. teras, a pterosaur. Damn. It means a lizard, right? And yeah. so lizard, you know, sore means lizard. And the connection to Terra is the hand, is the fingers is pateras and then um there's another there's another one for 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 land monsters versus marine monsters whatever they're all lizards so the idea that the lizard reptilian draconian connection can be found in the in the elite circles i mean again salamander at that point point, we should start talking about wizard of oz because 
these are the stories of the elite. The elite believe in these uh, these mm-hmm. romantic stories about themselves that they're descended from dragons and monkeys. It's Roger Bacon, man. I wanted to say, bro, I was listening to you on uh, on over on the homies, uh, Mark and Juan on Illuminati Confirmed. And just bacon, bacon, bacon kept coming up. And so, like, I was just like, fuck it, dude. There is so many goddamn separations of bacon. And I, I, I think that Francis Bacon didn't really exist. And he was a conglomerate, possibly the remnants of the vapor of Roger Bacon, the OG wizard alchemist, you know? Well, dude, what do you so think about that? I, I, I mean, I wouldn't – I would get two different thoughts. So does does Francis Bacon exist – um, that's an interesting line of logic because <laughs> I've seen a lot of people do this in my life. Say Jesus didn't exist. that Napoleon <laughs> didn't exist. What you end up with is you end up finding that Yeshua existed, that there was a Bonaparte that existed from Corsica. And you, you will find that there are, there's a thing that exists, right? Even yeah. if they believe something else. However, more to the point, you know, and also, you know, Shakespeare did say that all the lawyers, first thing we do kill all the lawyers and bacon was a lawyer so (laughs) so so i mean i don't believe you but i also want to because it's a freaking cool idea but i do think that roger bacon is more important than francis bacon that's a fact roger bacon is out of control important and his connections in the 12th century to marco polo to the people that were studying before the pax mongola tartaria because it's about 300 years after Roger Bacon, that we first start hearing again about Jesuits going to Tartaria. And they're calling everything over there Tartaria. So as time goes on, they said, no, 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 no. We're going to call this part of India, Pakistan. You know, we're going to call this part of Tartaria Kitao because this Mongolian herd, uh, that we, this horde that we found, we're going to empower them. And we're, this is maybe you can't find specific evidence of specific examples regarding eastern europe in the caucuses in the ninth century but you can see these same examples played out by the catholic church over and over again in other places if you go for instance and look at the congo and how the congo was conquered and the uh, alliances made between the portuguese and the dutch particularly with the dutch because the portuguese were at war with the congo and they basically said hey why did you hire and empower this prince and try to make him king of the congo did you not know that here we vote of the princes who's going to be king so it's interesting just to find out that that we completely suppressed a democratic pro we portugal in the 14th 12th century <laughs> sorry i wasn't even there but they 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 suppressed democratic precedent in in the congo which allowed for princes to be elected um Roger Bacon, as an astronomer associated with Strasbourg, is important because the astronomical clock is built in Strasbourg, which 300 years later is burnt down. The Black Forest, Rothschild, that's where they're all at. And, you know, the, 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 this is also the epicenter of the dancing plague where everyone began to oh, dance. You know. So there's a great, you <laughs> yeah, know, dude. you can apophenia and spiral off, but I think they were doing the, mad magic, bro. Like, yeah amped up dude the, the one thing i would give credit to roger bacon is his connections to anglo frisians and at the time before henry's um control of the churches and the monasteries that there were so many books that we got for instance the thomas null codex comes from around 900 to 1100 i believe more likely but everyone wants it to be older than it really is and if you start to look at that the only way that's possible is because Roger Bacon was in charge of the monastery and he allowed for certain books that weren't that Christian to be included because he was interested in um, both world 
worldly wisdom and also the concept that there were a number of people that were religious before they were Christian. And he, him himself had been part of a group of, of, of scholarly Celts who had, you know, considered themselves to be the, uh, the, the heirs, even though this is wrong, the heirs of the Picts. And, you know, at that time, you had this idea that the, the Frisians, the Saxons, the Beowulf period. In Beowulf, you've got a guy who comes and tries to kill him. And he's like, you can't kill me. I'm Beowulf. And he's like, come on. I'd rather die trying to kill you. I was on a boat for three weeks. And he sings a song. And he's like, takes off his armor. He's like, do it. Try to kill me. I'm going to kill you. But like, and then finally he says, you know what? I'm going to let you live. Just so you can. Now you've got your song. You've got your story. You came and you met Beowulf. And he let you live. It's not that you killed him but it's better than what you were going to get, which is forgotten. And so this starts to become the lo- the logical norm in uh, Valentine region, which is North England, in Wales, uh, and you see where Frisia was in the maps. And this whole culture that had cities and had towers gets completely removed. But then they say, oh, well, this was a misunderstanding. They didn't understand. They didn't know better. The, the maps were wrong and the, there was some hearsay. When you try to go looking for the information, you find, well, there's there's information from the 1800s after Sweden has been bombed by England, which is another weird thing. You wonder, why is England going to war against Scandinavia? And they say it's because they're trying to steal their commercial ships. That's literally England's excuse. So there's not a lot of good excuses for this. But the destruction of Frisian, the destruction of the records... The fact that we're finding, I mean, I'm, I'm in Minnesota right now. If you go to Alexandria, you'll see one of the first Viking rune stones. It's, it's, it's very self-evident. that there Alexandria, was a, Michigan? That's a place? Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. wow. Cool. Minnesota landed 10,000 lakes, and it makes sense that at some point when the lakes were a bit more connected, that they connected to the Hudson and through the Canada. And so from Hudson into the Canada, and so Canada is not a state. It's actually a, a river system, if you recall from the Ungrip documented that Ben Stewart put out. But you follow that into the Hudson, it will lead you into Minnesota, the Great Lake Superior, and into parts of uh, Michigan, Chicago, is you know Illinois, it, all of this area. But Minnesota, you could literally find in Alexandria near Cambridge. Uh, interesting names for a place, by the way. I'm not. I was like, oh, what's up with Minnesota? It might be yeah. popping off up there, dude. Yeah, there's reasons. But you'll find, you know, they've used lasers, 3D scanners. They've proven this thing is there's real. A, and then yeah, they say it's, a, race, it's racism to admit it. They can't let people know. There's a Nepal <laughs> there, too. Yeah, that's true. And if you go to Colorado, it's even weirder. You know, yeah. in terms of the Dalai Lama was given uh, $150,000 a year by the CIA because they were trying to stop the PRC at one point. They didn't end up stopping that payroll check. He still has land there. It's also, there's a huge Dalai Lama compound called the Medicine Buddha in Santa Cruz. So you start looking into the connections between Tibet and the anti-PRC movement, the CIA, Colorado comes up. That's fucking fascinating, bro, because everything or not everything, but, you know, massive uh, uh, roads lead back to Tibet. Right. Like there's so much um, history about, you know, the entrances to Shabala. Farbet. What's up with that? Tarbet. Tarbet. Oh, Tarbetia. Yeah, because Tabet, Tabet, it's really was, you know, the vowels are removed. Yeah. R's are not pronounced by the Iranians or the Tehranians. So you start to lose this, uh, you know, the original symbolism. But clearly, the you can see the, the first link that's obvious if you're trying to look for an ink is there's the Egyptian and the Songhe Empire have the same gods as Tibet, which is not true about India. And But again, India is the same thing as the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church goes... They convert people to their trinity. They have gods. They turn into saints. 
etc. India, you have a trimurti. They go and they convert people. They have gods that they keep and they call them gods. It's basically the same saint trimurti system. So we have the same religious practices. You have the same conquering of land powers by sea powers. But what you find between the two sea powers is this identity that's similar in the aristocracy. So they're believing in Tibet, uh, the Book of the Dead, that the Egyptians have the Book of the Dead. They have the Book of Life, where the Egyptians have the Book of Life. They have the God of Chaos, where the Egyptians are the God of Chaos. And the God of Chaos, Seth, represents um, the foreigner god and is associated with the jackal or with the donkey. And then you find that Jesus was associated with the jackal and the donkey because originally before Tertullian, there's these pictures of Jesus that they said, you want to know who those Christians worship? Dog they worship a donkey guy. No, Christopher was the dog head. Uh, dog head St. Christopher was a dog head. Jesus was Baphomet. And so you have Baphomet <laughs> looking guy. And it's very interesting, by the way, that the donkey headed symbol is a symbol of the satanic church. And at the time they were saying, hey, don't I do things. about that. That's right. Yeah, there's a huge connection between Satanism and Christianity back to the second century before Tertullian. And, and, at this, and then there's also the harrowing of hell, right? Because, you know, St. Christopher's a dog head. Jesus is a donkey head. They both can fly. It's an amazing comic book series. But in issue 34, they go underground to the Tartarus, which is hell, Tartaria. And in there, they find Adam and Eve, who've been stuck since issue 23. And they have to save them. And flies <laughs> up. So it's an amazing series. But yeah, you know, and then there, you got to read 18. But you, but if you, I think that's funny. I like numerology. But if you think about all of these stories, how they connect to the 15th, 16th century, um, Erasmus has become a very humanist philosopher and Christianity is all, you know, Jesus was a carpenter, so he's super chill. He's a guy. I mean, to be fair, like there's a lot of evidence that Christians into the Resurrection period and through the Masons, Still, we're very excited about the uh, Gospel of Nicodemus, about um, the the story of Solomon and Saturn, Solomon arguing with Saturn. So, and you can see it in the architecture. You go to Spain, go to Leon, go to Burgos. You'll start to see in the churches. Literally, I have I have to send you some pictures because there's parts of the churches blocked off, but I walked into, even though I'm not supposed to go in there. But like, don't go in there. I went in there. There'll be pictures of Baphomet and stained glass. So in Lyon, in the churches of, uh, you know, you, but you also see in general and just in public places, because no one understands it, horned Moses, because halo and horns were the mm-hmm. same symbolism. And you'll find pictures of uh, Saturn and uh, Jupiter and you know, Dionysus, Heracles, uh, th- um, what was the other one? Thalios or something like that. I forget. There's a lot of great ones. Tele, Telemon. Telemon. Yeah, there's another one that I was mm. thinking about. But okay, so it, then you think about Madame Blavatsky, and she's bringing all these ideas to the front, forefront and saying, we've got these islands, and these islands, some of them are moving and disappearing, and Frisia's disappeared. Mm. There's uh, The Persians have the stories that the backs of whales are the continents, and they're just moving slowly. You know, the Egyptians talked about turtles all the way down, and then there's elephants below that. Um, there's reasonable amounts of titanologists out there, even today, that will tell you that the world is made up of living material. In schools, by the next 20 years, I'm sure everyone's going to be a techno guyanist and believe the world is alive. So it's really yes. we're, we're very, so, alive. Yeah. We're very, very quickly ontologically, we're getting to the point where people will accept the fact that there are moving these tectonic plates are you know persons platonic persons or something there's yeah. no amount of consciousness that's happening there it's on anyway, the body yeah but blavatsky said hey there's the land of lem lesmuria lemuria which is ria the mur the let like less means le means the you know al in in uh, arabic is 
is law mm. is law backwards. So you have Spanish and Arabic. Well, the first lesson there. So when you think about algebra, you know, it's the algebra. It's the study of the Hebrew. Alchemy. It's the study of chemists. Study of Africa. Um, Lemuria, though, is the study of Mu. And so you, I think you talked on your show about Mu and the importance of Mu. You can look into Blavatsky's connection to the Theosophical Society and some of the more important people. Um, also, there's a great episode of Young Indiana Jones Chronicle. I think it's the third or fourth episode called the you know Spirit Within or the Passion, where he plays cricket and soccer and baseball with Krishnamurti in front of the Theosophical Society. So you got to uh-huh. see that. But the thing is about the Mu is that there's this idea that it was a continent that had a bunch of um, insectoid-like people. The other thing is, there's this idea that racism is is today the way we define races is Blavatsky's style. Darwin's style, um, definitions of race don't come from the same concepts of science that we use for these are different dogs, uh, different kinds of horses. Species. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, the way we use Genius the term is... And species. But what we talk about is more this Blavatskyan concept of consciousness, that these were the last reset then there was the second reset, and there's a third reset, and there's a fourth, and the next one would be the Green Power Ranger, and he's going to be from Baja, California. <laughs> you know, I got a good video on the on the on the, the Darwinism and Power Rangers that will actually sum that up. You should check that out. But the the main truth here is that we are coming up on the transhumanist next generation. That's the best uh, ontological term we're allowed to use to describe the evolution of man. So we're pretty comfortable with the idea. That we're evolving. And we yeah, even have looked back and said, hey, if you look back, there were, uh, you know, similarities. But really, the differences come with language because you take somebody and you train them to speak. Um, if you have someone raised by wolves, then part of their brain doesn't develop. It's a huge issue. Mm. And so the amount of wet wire programming that consciousness does to us is so important. And we mm. could just literally, if you had a whole generation without parents or without Google more importantly, you would completely just you would be an animal again. You'd lose the thing that makes us this, uh, you know, alien like intelligence to the earth. What's right? anagrammical about Google? And uh, like you said, do you, do you like gematria and shit like that? Like what's going on uh, with like the because there's got to be connection to the the web of of God web web of you know the algorithm of like the cosmic fucking stretch fabric that we live in and Sophia. Google. Yes, yeah, the the, well, the 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 web of Sophia. It's the synthetic so I, Sophia. Yeah, I, I feel oh. I feel like actually this is so part of the thing is I feel like uh, Danny Naki, you know some of this stuff better than I do. I have some ideas on the. I mean, I, I'm thinking GGL. You know, like if you take the the Gimel Gimel and the Ella uh, Epsilon symbol, I forget. You get you get 34, and so 34 mm. is one more than 33 which is not quite more completely one more so you could think of it as zero Kobe Bryant. And, yeah so 33 one better than jordan right so he went for number 24 well but 33 <laughs> has a value of 34 because zero is a real number so when you consider that oh, and also okay. the fact yeah. that one is never whole yeah, then yeah. likely 34 is 33 and a third but you never know it could be three thirds or i mean that's you even conceptually better. have the one too it's like you always have a one like there is right. always that rotating one that can be like you can give or take one because one is the all or the l and yeah so i I dig that, man. There's something. There's there's definitely some crazy yeah. shit going on with the magic of Google and everybody. I would I would say that it'd be that. really it would take 
10 to 100 years to really decrypt all of the magic. And you have to remember, Google is run by people in a lot of the time, Silicon Valley and California. So if you want to expect techno pagans to be in a place, it's going to be there. So the amount of, I mean, the amount of people that comfortably, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the amount of people that are comfortably existing with technology and magic that exist around areas where Buffy the Vampire Slayer were syndicated are high. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not the only one. So we're, there's a lot of people in Silicon Valley that will naturally <laughs> choose to say, oh, well, this is happening on an eclipse or this Josh, is a retrograde. Yeah. Let's not do our powerful ceremony. Let's not announce the program on retrograde. Let's wait until, you know, the Capricorn is in, you know, mm-hmm. Leo. They, they do this all the time. If you think that there's a single Californian that doesn't remember that Reagan Who's Joan Quigley was his him and his wife's astrologer who decided when the eclipse of Pluto would be to use well not the eclipse itself but he chose that that eclipse would be used for the Chernobyl um, false flag where we pretended that you know the Chernobyl was a collapsed infrastructure of the Soviet Union when really it was the Americans were dropped from planes in the middle of the night s- strangled Russians took their identities and continued to live because they were trained to speak. We start to find out about those things happening on specific astrological dates by Reagan, who was the governor of California (laughs) associated with the Unarius cult. When the Unarius cult were like the sub genius with more like pastels and, you know, they're just colorful. If you've heard them they they had the same idea of the X day. 1998, 1999, that light beings would come down and they would assimilate us. And it was all the pre Y2K, uh, you know, point being childhood's end. Californians are weird. We're open to magic and technology. (laughs) And so Google is going to be one of those things where you look at alphabet and you, I mean, every time you look at something, you're like, whoa, like alphabet, you went way further than I ever could have imagined. Cause alphabet, you could have called it alpha and omega. I mean, alpha and bet, you know, this is better than alpha and omega i don't know it's brilliant really every single thing they do is a cult you know yes dude fucking a i mean there's no separation of it once you really start to dip your beak in like alchemy and like old text and shit i mean you bro you flip through decades like a goddamn rolodex he's over here just like (laughs) oh wait hold on wait what'd you say seventh century hold up (laughs) you might have to explain where a rolodex is to some people oh my gosh right uh well i have a i have a question too real quick um so like tartaria also like what what's up with russia releasing these documents back in like 2017 18 when they released from their vault a shit ton of like tartarian documents is there like symbolism and some sort of plan that you think they have and have had of like releasing the tartarian information and then potentially like shit that we're seeing politically happening right now like is there a correlation in your mind that would literally be the best way to describe what's going on right now. And it blows my mind. I'm super stoked. Fuck I'm yeah. the first one to say Tartaria because basically now, nice. yeah, it's like all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> Everybody's in it. Ah! Like the fact that Russia and you got Biden be like, come on, everybody. Y'all know that there's a new world order and there's a reset. And there's a, every couple <laughs> generations, there's a people that lose their, all their money, except for the rich people. We got to be those rich people. Like they hold on to it during the, come on. <laughs> Come on, man. It's like, wow, bro. You can't even sell New World Order half as well in the intonation as George Bush Sr. You've oh, completely yeah. collapsed. The acting levels is gone. Soviet Russia 
suppressed history. They, they, they did the same thing that we did. And let's be real. Everyone does it. Powers try to suppress history because history is empowers what, people. History is what life itself is. You'll take, a yes. ge- you'll take a geological structure of chemicals and they'll explode in order to make colors in the ATCG system of DNA that are predictable by the next sequence. So any mutation is literally designed thinking retroactively about what has happened before because there's a clockwork system. So life is memory, making choices on the most, you know, atheists deal with it. But, you know, we, we have to deal with this whole idea that Tartaria is evil or good. That's a different question. Now, I would say, objectively speaking, Tartaria is the past. So it's not like easy. It's this is the problem with calling Ukrainians neo, you know, N-words, you know, because that's not even a word that Germans ascribe to themselves. That's a word used by American propaganda about NatSucks. And so they don't know who they are, or rather they are based on a TV show about the thing. And so not the thing itself. This is a thing about Tartaria. Now, in my Dugan interview, one of the fascinating things I thought he said about Tartaria and about Tehranism and the idea of an Indo-Aryan Eurasia is that Russia is not the firstborn nor the original, but is the heir to this throne, right? Not throne. He didn't say throne, but he says that it's the, this, this, this cradle of civilization that had many different kinds of people from all over the world were there. And they all agreed in contracts. And the last person to really still be there and to know what's going on and to, you know, since the Golden Horde have been turned into a powerful group is not the original owners of Tartaria, if there is such a thing, but that it is the the last person standing after the agreement. So Russia wants to, and they've been pointing out that they want to have um, the keys rather than have America have the keys. America, on the other hand, you know, is part of this other thing. It's, it's the landmass controlled by the Atlanticist movement. So New Atlantis is America. And yeah. ideologically, America is always the old Atlantis because we've erased history. So there's no such thing as Atlantis. This is the high hill ideologically in America. Americans like to believe and the West and Atlantics like to believe that progress is leading towards here now modernity. And that this is the best thing that's ever happened that there's never been a better civilization than now. This is not what is believed by everyone. And so the idea that Tartaria is something to aspire to, a tradition that exists, um, that's outside of the norm for Americans who are constantly about, re- Atlanticists, who are constantly about rejecting tradition. So the Russians look at it and they say, okay, well, th- this existed. There's evidence of it. Now, the Soviets were against it. A lot of these guys are anti-Soviet, even if they're Russian, especially if they're Russian. Because when they were in the 80s growing up, they listened to punk rock. They hated being Russian, you know, Soviet, and they wanted to be free. And so they're saying, okay, well, we want to be part of this um, this, this, this futurism that was, dis- that was described to them by the CIA. Because in the 60s, in 1968, the CIA Freedom of Information Act will show they were presenting a PSYOP, a psychological operation, to bring back relevance of Tartaria to the Russians. Mm, that's when the CIA document of, of uh, like the only one that could be found of like CIA saying shit about Tartaria was in the 60s. We're, right. But, you know, go ahead and you know, it's kind of like UFO. 
you know, and these other yeah, words. Yeah. Start start looking for Tehranism. If you start to look for Tehranism, you'll find a lot of stuff about wow. Tartaria that's been hidden for the last, you know, forever. But what you'll note is because Turkey is really important to the international powers today. So that wow. becomes even more important. Istanbul and Constantinople. But um <laughs> but if you look at the 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 Turanian Empire and where it was at and the connection between Asia and China and Russia. Russia was a Scandinavian power that you know the, I think we said earlier did we talk about the Ukrainian flag in Zelensky already? There's a reason why the Swedish flag and the, the Ukrainian flag are the same colors. You know if you if you look into where they believe they came UK from UK rain baby. Yeah I mean and and yellow yellow and white also the connectivity between yellow and white and the differences you know because white representing gold. oftentimes yeah gold is representing manifestation of power white is often representing purity or receptivity or surrender you know so the thing is that the the, the slavic people are not the heirs of tartaria in the literal sense because the scandinavians were at some point you know in in charge of that but also scandinavians were connected with moors the moors at the end of the day there were people from different matri- there's a different kinds of people that were working together it had to be if you have a ethno state like japan it doesn't develop the same way as a trade federation. So what about Moorish masonry? What the fuck? Like that's the original right. masonry, right? Like, well, that- they, the Masons, Freemasons refer to, well, some most ought to refer to Freemasonry as Moorish sciences. So uh, there is a, the logic there that it comes from the Moorish civilization. You look across Africa and you see some of the greatest, um, you know, walls and, and the, Ch- the great wall of China is nothing compared to the more of Africa, right? The more meaning wall. So we know that. And if a ship gets moored, it means it's walled at the port. And so there's a, it's like, you know, the fact that we know before the Portuguese and the Spanish that there, that they were part of a trade network that the Sephards and the Africans were involved in all around the world. I mean, clearly we know now that slavery has existed for as long as Tartaria and that in Tartaria, there was something called Islam. There was something called slavery, but they're very different than they are today. By the way, not called slavery, but equatable with the concept of being an indentured servant or apprentice in a non-scarcity economy. Is, is there a connection between like more and bore, like Borea and Moria? I don't know for certain, but I, I, that would be an interesting route to pursue. I think that, you know, it's important to remember that these symbols someone reads them from somewhere else and they mix up the sounds a lot. So, I mean, clearly Tartar and Berber are connected, um, but I, I would need to go deeper into the box. I mean, the box saga would be where we would start if we wanted to start to look at the connection between the, 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 bet, the bet symbol and the M, you know? Oh, okay. I was actually, I was, so there's like a strange, so you have Moors, right? Which like a lot of people would like make a phonetic connection. I just, I, I'm sorry. I just remembered the name for M in Hebrew is Mu. Let's keep going. The letter of it. Oh, no shit. So, so you have Mu, which is over like in the Pacific side, but then you have the Moors, which are famously from Africa, but then you have Atlantis, which was famously in the Atlantic, but the barbarian coast, which is on the northern part of Africa. So it's like, I wouldn't say What's anyone's timeline? from. I would oh, never yeah. say any, anyone's from where they say they are. So that's the first thing is you'll start to see this into Africa theory, and that's a major point is the idea that the new continents and the old continents are separate, and yeah. we we have to deal with that. If you look at America, we go into the you know the de- the Burning Man area of the Black Rock City Desert in Nevada, and you start to look at how there are 
uh, you go to parts of North Africa as well. You go around Mauritania, you'll start to see the desert is, you know, lifted underwater. Other, other areas have fallen, other areas have risen. And this is not as long a process as people think it is. And when you start to look into volcanoes, instantaneousness of change is so, this is the norm is instantaneous yeah. change around yep. the world. It's static, it's like static, the static, fucking static, true boom. blood flow of the earth. Volcanoes are like the fat. I that's a sign that there is like so much activity. If you can't look at a fucking volcano and like be around its actual experience of like what it does, like you, yeah. you will know the power of how fast everything could end in your fucking life. Like volcanoes are the ultimate alchemist. I think of earth. I spent like a year in Chile and Argentina running from volcanoes. They just kept erupting all year. Like 2014, <laughs> 15. I was like, oh my God, I just went down this volcano on a sled. And now the, it's launching stuff into my campgrounds. I'm the getting, in, yeah. And there's other times I'm like, it was, they're like, don't worry. I was like, is it smoking? They're like, yeah, yeah. But it's just started. It, it, is, it didn't erupt. It won't erupt again for at least 70 years. It erupted two days later. And then there's 13 <laughs> volcanoes that went off and I'm like bribing a guy in Argentina. I'm like, look, dude, I mean, we're not going to make it unless we all go now. Like, let's get out of the country, take these Russian girls and go. So we're trying to leave, you know, <laughs> but we were like running. We're looking on both sides of fire burning and all that. Like, ah! like, eventually we get out. He's like, that's as far as I can go, man. I got to the river. And then we had to walk from there because, you know, it was just, it was wild. So volcanoes are intense. Um, they're connected with Oklo. Uh, they're okay with nuclear power. And mineral companies, um, Dutch East Indies companies cover up of the Krakatoa is one of the ba- main cover ups of the last evidences of the Tartarian Empire because Tartaria dwindled slowly. I mean, it was not that slow, it was over two generations, but you see the, the destruction of Campi Fiegri in places in Europe led to immediate destruction. Of what's the timeline on the dwindle of Tartaria? Like, uh, Jesus. What's- well, well, we're gonna well, let's, oh. let's let's call it because due to Fomenkoism, and we're gonna remember that time has been manipulated by the Jesuits and by yeah. the Freemasons and by etc. And that everyone has their own timeline, and the, the Russians didn't start using the Gregorian calendar until the 30s, and that George Washington even had to change his birthday because they had to deal with the Napoleonic blah blah blah. Point is, <laughs> maybe 600 years ago uh, would be the beginning. 700 years ago 600 years ago would be the beginning of the complete end but you have the crusades happening at the beginning of the la- of the, of the beginning of the after christ as we call it time a thousand years ago not 2000 and then the beginning of the disinformation is probably 1600 where it becomes very clear that they can uh. mi- misuse data from the 1500s and 1600s a lot of people are already mistranslating things throughout the 1500s Holy so shit, then by the 1800s, everything is a lie. By the 1800s, you have universal hand in the jacket, people all over. You've got Napoleon and you've got the, the war of 1812 is the ultimate suppression of the last truth. It's the World War Zero. We've already had the seven year war. We've already had the 70 year conflict. We've already gone through all of the things that set up for it. By, by the point of 1812, there's nobody left who really remembers or has read correctly the truth. How much murder? Oh, well, half of the population was wiped out. So, for instance, all of Krakatoa died. There's 150,000 people accounted for probably more like a million or more. If you, start, you think about vertical stacking, you know, people were living in. Imagine it wasn't Krakatoa in Indonesia, but it was Krakatoa in New York City. We don't know for sure yeah. how many people were wiped out. We do know that seven times around the planet, um, you know, they were hearing sound waves reverberating from the explosion. Mm-hmm. So 
the idea that it could also have been that there were seven other simultaneous reactors going off or you know volcanoes well we know that in gabon there's a nuclear volcano if you look into the nuclear volcano story there's 16 that's natural, falconelli yeah there's 16 natural reactors that are not natural but we can't handle the fact that they're technologically built but at the same time because it's so it's prehistory but we can also see how technology and nature meet and then this new lens that the eurocentricity that modernity is not the apex that as time goes on techno will replace technology right i i think uh there's there's something about you've been on the volcano kick for a while obviously you traveled and like you you said you lived in uh spain wait was it spain I, I have lived in Spain, but I, live, I was talking about Chile and Argentina and Paraguay. Oh, South America. I, I spent like right. a year and a half. Once I left CNN and I was like, this is horrible. You know, I, w- I just walked away from being a social media strategist there. I went to Chile and then started hitchhiking across South America and looking at ruins. And so I spent like a year and a half there seeing volcanoes, going to Titicaca, going to all of the, the sites before really having the concept that this all existed before you know, the, I, I literally went down there thinking that this was European um, uh, recreations. Yeah. And I, I was startled as I started to realize that was literally impossible. I, dude, I've, I've, so I've been getting into like looking up where all the similar buildings are all across the world, like why there's these cathedrals in these certain places and all the Capitol buildings that are all got the capstone, you know, that type of like, um, I forget the name of the dome architecture, but you know what I'm saying, right? Every Capitol building across the fucking globe. Um, but South America was just loaded up during the conquistadorian, you know, period and they but they built so many fucking cathedrals over there and these capital buildings these huge buildings and when you look at how many are scattered across south america you're like how in the fuck are they building these incredibly uh extensive architectural pieces in south america during the time where they're killing all these people these indigenous people the timeline of that spanish era is so mucky bro do you have insight on that yeah, absolutely. It's completely, it's so, I mean, so going down there, that's the first thing you start to notice is they really haven't fixed that yet. They haven't fixed the stories. And, you know, now what's beautiful is because of the work that we're doing, you're starting to see more and more of this on Wikipedia that they're changing things. They're admitting things are either younger or newer than they really are. But yeah, the idea that in the 1600s that they brought people from Spain to build aqueduct systems that they knew about, you know, it's impossible. It's literally impossible. And the amount of time necessary to make bricks and the literally you you can count up the moments necessary in a day and you won't find them it's just not plausible and then you start to see okay well the architecture there's this medieval style architecture they say they built in the 1600s to emulate medieval styles okay but then I, I hate that neo the whole like neo this is neo but it's not fucking it's neo not, there's no it's not even at all it's not even remotely neo it's like the, this is the original thing and you the aqueducts are literally built across Mexico in places that there were no conquistadors and there's of course I will give credit to the people that came because during the Spanish Inquisition they did grab people that were not Catholic, but they were Moorish or they were Arabic or they were Jewish or they were in general, they were architecturally and intellectually more astute because they had been from other parts of the world that still had this culture because Spain controlled 
everything at that point. When it was Arabic, it went, it was huge. Parts of North Africa, parts of East Asia, etc. So they did have people that could rebuild. So the, the logic that there was major catastrophes, like we've been showing for volcanic destruction, and that these societies weren't able to continue their infrastructure. Well, these stories come up over and over again. Uh, Apocalypto came up recently. We were talking, I think it was talking about Mel Gibson's movie. This is the same time as the plagues and the famines in Europe. Europe and America's both and all over Asia are having simultaneously this crazy destructive period. And so it's, it's impossible to pretend that these people had more and these people had less. It was just, you know, people without wheels on either side that both could have had wheels, but they had lost them. And there are places, you know, where they built these, um, these dams or whatever, or they brought in beavers, supposedly also. This is in Argentina, they brought in beavers because of fur trading. Beavers would have built dams and it would have blocked certain areas and water. But I think it's all human related. I'm just saying that's the official story. But this now we're finding year after year, church after church, cathedral after cathedral that's been underneath a river or a lake for you know an anomalous amount of time, centuries or two centuries. The thing is, we're finding more and more examples of this supposedly newer 19th century style neoclassical greco-roman uh buildings that were built in one year etc cetera, etc cetera. the capital buildings right like they, they yeah. those were built in the 18 the capital of the u.s was built in one fucking year in the in the eight, 1856 or some shit everything they think was built in one year or less and there's no <laughs> pictures of it we're, we were working so hard we forgot to take any evidence of it but the thing is you'll you'll see that there's a lot of logic that some of these buildings really were destroyed and then rebuilt in the in the, at some point over the last you know the mormons for instance will take a collapsed area they found a former temple from the former civilization and they'll resurrect it and so this is important to remember why founders care to be called founders, right? Because it's founders keepers. And, you know, this Latin America is just <laughs> littered with these examples. And this is one of the reasons I'm going to Brazil later this year, because they just, you know, everyone's always talking about the tragedy of cutting down the rainforest. Here's the only upside I can think of. Now I can use LIDAR with my drone and I can be the first to discover some of these civilizations <laughs> that have been missing. So I'm going to go do that. I'm going to jump on it, dude. You got to get in there while. Yeah, I got to do it fast. good, bro. I mean, I'm sure, fuck, you I'm know. Sure, I'm sure just saying that someone else is going to try to do it first. And I don't even care because the thing is, I'm so used to people not knowing what they're looking at that I'm just going to do it myself anyway, regardless of when. But yeah, I, I think that the main thing is regardless, if I say it first, Will Smith will punch somebody. And if I say it second, people will already have some other connotations and say, well, of course. Because ABC News just said that that was connected with Will Smith some other way. <laughs> By the way, you know that Will Smith is on the Disney Plus channel doing an all-around-the-world <sighs> tour. So I already had that bias of being annoyed that that wasn't me. You know. Yeah. Uh, do, do you think that Muhu and Atlantis are one in the same civilization? Or do you so, think no, that so there is a distinction that Muhu was in the Pacific and Atlantis was in the Atlantic or the North? And are they implanted uh, from alien species? <laughs> Let's get to the question three after one and two. I think that I think the first thing is, um, no, they're not the same place, but they are part of the same ontological uh, government. 
Um, okay. I don't, and I, and I, and the other second thing is I don't think the difference is that one's West and one's East necessarily specifically, but more that, <laughs> because if you think about the naval powers and how they can be in two places at once, you know, it's no longer really about that. It's more this ideological difference between the land and the sea. But I do think that Lemuria, as we're describing it, has a lot of connotations. Moo has a lot of connotations to refer to lemurs and Madagascar. And Madagascar is a fascinating, interesting, isolated place from the rest of Africa. So there's a reason why they were looking for links in that specific location. But I don't think the location is what really makes Moo different. What it is, is when this comes back to the ideological differences between Tartaria and Atlantis, Atlanticism believes Atlantis was this pinnacle thing. It it represents modernity, but back then. It's just a different place where we're finding modernity. Whereas Tartarianism and and Lemurianism have to do more with this idea of this civilization. Lemuria was a state to an extent, but had an empire, the way it's described. Tartaria was a system of states that were like Atlantis and were autonomous so you look at star forts and you say this is an example of a perfect city they have water they have electricity they have current to turn into electricity they have resources to filter the water to make the minerals in the ground turn into food this is clearly atlantis but then someone else will say hey screw you this is atlantis i found mauritania and then someone says hey that it looks just like atlantis but i found an exactly identical looking ring structure around a star fort here Greenland. In- yeah. Spain. So when you, start looking, when you start looking into the fact that there's a lot of them, that quickly debunks the Herodotus post, you know, post-Hermetic belief that Atlantis was one place. Unless you go as far as to Tartarianize Lemuria and say, well, yeah, they were all part of this empire that spread everywhere. Do you think in, in all the religions, how they talk about the great battle in heaven, that that was maybe the battle between the Lemurians and the Atlanteans? I mean, it's it'd be really logical to say that the battles in the prehistory made up the idea of the battles of the gods for two reasons. One, because it then says that the past was greater than now. And two, because it says that it's more reasonable, it's more approachable, it's more humanist. The problem with that being that in about 10 minutes, you're going to see literally dudes with dog heads because they're identified as dogs. So they got a <laughs> adenoviral to change and someone who thinks that they're jesus and has decided to have a donkey head and get surgery so we're not very far off from the post-humanist perspective of history and when that comes people will look at everything again and see it completely differently and we're going to say oh well actually you know maybe they weren't humans they're just like us maybe god isn't just like us Maybe those Muslim folks saying that God is a mathematical, symmetrical concept of an arabesque are closer. And when we start to critically reanalyze, we might say, no, it's not aliens. It's not us. It's actually just the future messing with the past. And this idea that the omega point is, you know, which is explains a lot about this idea of being underground in Tartaria, in Tartarus, the connections with hell and this, you know, bringing you underground and making you live forever and making you work. And then Hellenism, of course, because Hellenism is is sunlight. It's God is the sun. And Asgard, Asgard is Asgartha. Right? Yeah. 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 Asgard is literally Agartha. And when you connect, (laughs) when you connect the, when you connect the Hyperborean, to Huli, 
you know, in the stories of Tahuli, the box saga is in, well, in general, Tahuli is, you know, important to cartographers. <laughs> I mean, you start to realize there's a, it's in Santa Claus. I just saw that movie recently, <laughs> The Last of the Guardians or something like oh, that. Oh, The Alec Guardians. Ba- yeah. Yeah. Alec Baldwin as Santa Claus, this Russian Santa Claus with anti Turkish tattoos. Cause by the way, <laughs> women in, in Croatia, my family, Croatian, the women used to wear tattoos to show they weren't Muslim to make, to, to try to get the Turks not to rape them. Right. Which is, you oh. know, that's one side of the, that's not, nice. not that the world's all like that now. Cause you know, whatever, but have you seen the, the guardians movie? Cause Santa Claus has these snotty and nice Slavic style arabesque tattoos on him. And he's trying to convince Jack Frost that the only way he'll be immortal is if he's remembered by everyone. It's very Merlin story, you know? Hmm. I want to show you guys this. Uh, <laughs> this is the old sewer system of uh, the Roman Empire. Just, are you? Is are you allowed to put this on TV? I mean, this is not G-rated. I feel like <laughs> this is simply a sewer system, sir, of an antiquated day. Uh, but where is that phallus pointing, young man? Uh, northwest, north, north. always north. <laughs> Complete Polaris. <laughs> Here we are. That's all I. That's all I had. No, I. That I was, was literally. That was literally the whole. Ah, that's that's yeah. Roman for you, man. <laughs> There's rats in there. <laughs> um, with the, with the whole flamenco. That's why thing. I think the sewer systems the of. Uh... Well, I, I sh- oh, sorry, I, I lagged I, out there. My I, bad. I shouldn't downplay the importance of sexuality and magic and architecture. I mean, I, I'm sorry yeah. if you really you know understand how weird architects are and how important feng shui is to business and why there's a piece of uh, a bowl yeah. of water and a bowl of fire and a lot of really important Chinese uh, edifices and, and structures, then you'll start to realize that, yeah, it's not even that these people are interested in spirituality that they care. Mm. It's literally through marketing and advertisement that they've mm. reached <laughs> this point of caring about spirituality. Materialism leads back to spirituality because that's where the money's at. So they've found themselves building Cyclical. things. Yeah, but the obelisk is important. You know, you can't pretend it's not. I just, I just have to also admit that the windmill and the cock, you know, they, this is the, the, there's a reason why the windmill. The rooster and the windmill, <laughs> the cock and yeah. the windmill. Yeah. Reality is weird. What, Man, what is so, that? What's that about? The rooster and the windmill? Well, the windmill spins because it's recessive and it's, it's the turbine. It's pulling the energy, which has to oh. do with the, you know, um, is there a better name for the, the Gamadian? Look up Gamadian, right? So the Gamadian is that symbol that the Germans used wrong. You're not allowed to talk about. But if you, uh, if you the Gamadian, right? So the Gamadian is a photonic tur- turbine that's used all the time. Yeah. The connections between the windmill and then the, the, the four directions and every, yeah, it's all. But then the cock re- represents masculinity. It's a chemical symbol. Uh, and the, the, it's also a dragon. It's related to the idea of the, di- the dinosaur or the pterosaur. T-Rex. Yeah, Back exactly. to T-Rex again. Uh-oh. Back to Tyrannosaurus. I'm glad we're doing that, though, because so many people recently were like, hey, Jesus doesn't exist. Fruit Francis doesn't exist. Dragons, dinosaurs don't exist. Which saying dinosaurs don't exist is almost, no offense, but it's almost as dumb as saying dragons don't exist. I mean, saying dragons don't exist is really dumb. But saying that dinosaurs (laughs) don't exist is kind of just missing the point that we're rebranding poorly every generation and then yeah. this new version is just less interesting and that every reboot is poorer an iteration than the original story 
And yeah, there were people that fought giant birds and but, and lizards because birds are reptiles. Yeah, didn't Jesus ride backwards on a dinosaur into the? I remember it being a donkey, <laughs> but you know, I hope so. I hope it was a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, dinosaur. Man, so check this out. I, I have this. I have this theory, kind of this running theory that like Uh-oh. you have these different. Uh, You've been cutting, cutting off. You've been cutting cutting off. They're, they're suppressing you. Yeah. You, the old libraries. You froze. Oh, have to, they fully suppressed am I, everything. Am I frozen you hard? You're going to have to restart, restart that whole thing. Dear sweet Lord. Okay. So imagine that um, back in the day when these beautiful, symbolic, architectural, gothic or gothic, um, beautiful structures were being built at a time of alchemy and understanding hermeticism and everything, right? Well, these buildings are so exquisite. Wouldn't the entire layout of the city be exquisite, right? And if they were making all these buildings to line up with, um, where the sun is going to be each moment of each day and where the full moon is going to lay and everything cosmologically, cosmologically connects to chakras what if the cities were laid out as fucking bodies parts and there's seven of these very important resonant architectural type of structures and that's why i brought up the sewer as being the root chakra which is the dick and balls Uh, so apparently i I believe titicaca was the when i went to brazil was the uh, root chakra and and mount everest or is it whitney or is it no what's the what's one of those organizations this you know that takes care of nature. It's named after a place in California. Uh, uh, Greenpeace. No, they're named after one of the the forests. Um, I don't know. The point is, I, there's a number of chakra. There's one in Britain. There are chakra points. I visited about six of them. Uh, yeah. I, I it would be. It's hard to say. They are big island Hawaii. They are, they are fundamentally different places and they are valuable. And to whether you want to call them the seven wonders of the earth or the seven chakra points is up to you. Um, but I would say that if you look up the, the seven chakra points of the earth, they, they are probably the most interesting places on the earth. And like Titicaca, for instance, it was used for sacrifices. It was the sun city. Um, Titicaca Kaka, have to do with the God of the sun. And you look at Lorca in Spain, which was another Mauritania-like city that survived. And when it was taken over, it was survived, you know, for, for it's, it's got the oldest uh, fossils and it's got the newest people, the people that were able to survive during the sieges of, because they had spring water coming through this giant mountain and this water system and this food and everything. So we have examples of, anyway, Lorca, Heliorc, Heli orchestrated, orchestrated, by the sun hmm. so a number of these cities are named in whatever way after being mm-hmm. a solar powered city yeah and yeah. so we, we start to find that that logic there as well but I, I i do think that around the world you'll see examples of um moved cities more than you'll you'd be surprised how many times like moscow was jerusalem or you know, this is story of ireland oh fuck man that's the second time we heard that on this show dude is uh well, I is mean, jesus russian or what well, I mean, it's more, again, so Russia isn't the point here. It's the fact that you have a nomadic tribe that moved their city a place, right? Nomadic people move to different states. States are the legitimate source of violence. We have to change the definitions. Rhodesia functions on Cecil Rhodes' definition of the state. But if a state, if the nation of Islam moves to America or to, you know, 
anywhere the north pole that doesn't make santa claus a different ethnicity it makes them a different nation it might define and redefine the state but this is why we have this or if, if there's a complete collapse of a place by environmental disaster or a war with troy they're going to end up somewhere else as many of them as they can and they will either assimilate into a state assimilate another state into them or they will become the same thing somewhere that there's just room for them to do it so you know this is this is how after the reset you'll find the same communities all over the place and after other resets why you'll find you know leonard nimoy's family came from ukraine you know like there's a lot of people that are ending up back in ukraine right now because they're there that was a place that they'd occupied before Fuck! I mean, goddamn! I, I like I said, noodle on the on the ceiling just now. That was a beautiful thread there on the web, man. Thank you. Holy shit! <clears throat> Tapping out. So, tap he's like, I was like, I gotta go take a break. I need a glass <laughs> of water. Well, I'm gonna let, breathe a little bit. That's I want to get into pollen. more uh, like American structures and uh, and some of the stuff like. Um, uh, Indian or snake mound and like the Georgia pyramid and, and some of these other associations, what, where, where do you think that those came from? Were those uh, from part of the Atlanteans that were here? Were the from the Lemurians that were in America or was there completely a different civilization that was in America before these two? So looking at wizard of Oz. And so I think we talked earlier about Blavatsky's connection to the Theosophic society and Indiana Jones, but in terms of Baum's connection to wizard of Oz's following the lady bluebird story, there's a story very similar to the Alvideras hypothesis, which is the Chilean belief and, and archeology span that this layer of the 77th element iridium around the you know, top of the earth exists because of volcanoes erupting it or from a meteor that could have been chiclet clube and that this was the reset you know by the way resets exist in some analogy for everyone's education it's it's amazing when you start to look for it but this idea that kansas city is important in uh baum's uh books is fascinating because we're not in kansas anymore now the letters after o and z for z is uh n and y Right. So the O and M and O P uh so the N ends before I'm sorry, the N O and then X Y Z. So Oz and New York and this idea of this connection between the former Atlantis capital in the Americas. And you start to see lots of examples of how New York was parallel to the um, the New Amsterdam and what was there before and how they pretend away the history to say this is their history. Kansas City, very similarly. Across America, we say today that the Native Americans, again, didn't have wheels, that they lived, all of them, in, in these, uh, these canvas pyramid teepees, that they didn't really know what they were doing, and they could barely communicate, and when they did, they said, how? You know, and it's, just, it's amazing the Eurocentricity of our education still in 2020 when we have the 1619 Project. But what they've tried to say is they slash and burn. And I'm again, what I'm trying to point out is the same progressives that try to pretend away history are, are telling you that Native Americans were primitive. They're the ones saying this. They're the ones saying that Native Americans burned 
down the, 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 the chase the buffalo. They start a fire. And that's why there's no rainforest. I mean, it's like, it's crazy. The story you come up with. But when you look at the mineral content and you get, this is why BM, uh, what's it called? Uh, BLM uh, matters. Bureau, Bureau of Land Management matters yeah. because the Bureau of Land Management is all about, um, you know, minerals, resources, Napoleonic dictatorship, tribocracy, tribarchy, because you have a dictator of a tribe. The same way Napoleon was. Money is minerals. Yeah. And, and the control of minerals and money is the most important thing, I think. But every once in a while, I wonder, because you wonder about the control of native uh, Aboriginal tribes. And you have to be impressed with BLM because they really have turned Burning Man into this sexy thing. And they've made, I mean, compare Burning Man to General Custard. It's a way better branding of the control of Native <laughs> Americans. So, you know, they, they've created this whole society based around the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, controlling these different zones of America and Kansas City. Is so important, so important because a it's on the border between Missouri and um, Kansas. It's it's in both, so you already know they split something in half because it was dangerous for them to be a singularity. And the mineral content, vanadium everywhere, the twenty third element, and iridium the seventy seventh in in larger supply, supply than elsewhere. But really, vanadium is important because it's also when mixed creates emeralds so the emerald city has to do with kansas city because of vanadium and vanadium is useful in technology in every respect it's like it's an incredible crystal that can be used for all sorts of materials for radio for um, conductivity for yeah but radio is probably the most valuable i would say and radio is as time goes on going to be used for literally trans transmitting molecules and rearranging energy into material forms. So the idea that vanadium is so important that Kansas City is on top of this place that has near it Krigler Mound, the um the, the vol you've talked about, I think probably in your show, maybe the pyramids in Illinois. There are so many amazing landmarks that every the bottom line is every single one of them is closer to more minerals than you'd expect. I feel like America, it's uh, like in the middle of America, middle America is hollow. Like, I feel like the entire fucking middle America is fucking hollow. And there's like a cavern that gets out somewhere in Texas or some shit. Well, like, I, I hope you're saying that because you saw my Vice Kentucky. special on Hollow Earth. But make sure you check out, go on Odyssey and Vice and TV and watch my Hollow Earth special. Because we go looking for caves and I got them to fully opponent Vice. It's amazing. I got I tricked them into oh, doing nice. this crazy nice. thing. Yeah, you really you you <laughs> you, you, you think it's you got to see it. I came. I feel like Andy Kaufman. Anyway, the the thing is, I went to uh, South Dakota. I mean, right? Like, because if you can if you can literally get them to go, I I don't know, whatever. But you go you go to South Dakota and you start finding these tunnels that go down the deeper parts of the earth. There's Agartha. There's Telos. I do an entire. Uh, looking for telos in uh, north california and yes cave systems dumbs are in the bottom line is that every single government agency that has yes. a underground base is in a place that's near one of these ancient ruin sites you do the math and then again star forts are places where five times the mineral content is so clearly they're built on top of places i mean it'd be one thing if you said okay well there's a volcano there it'd be another thing if you said okay there's a star fort there but if you start to realize that they already knew where they, the minerals of volcanoes were, then it's very clear that this reset is of a technologically advanced civilization. And so we're going back in. 
You know, right. you look at, we're talking about Oklo in, in uh, Africa. They had the nuclear volcanoes. The French were told they should look into this. The French government and military bombed it because they didn't want anyone to think that there was a reason to not mine there. They needed that mineral. So in America, we do the same thing. We, we're waiting to the point that we can admit this stuff exists until after we've exploited all of the resources from it. And it's not just raw uranium. It's also technology. It's also the capacity to use this technology and the infrastructure because it's crazy. I mean, like you think about the Smithsonian, they killed Smithson. They are sorry. He died and they took his money. I'm sorry. He created a will supposedly that he wrote, I swear. And then it says that he wants to give all of his money to this American group that he's never been to America. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever. Anyway, Smithson is this legitimate story. I promise, you know, but they created this, this group that will go around destroy. I'm sorry. Now I won't hide it. That's true. They, they destroy evidence. They will hide. Are they connected to BLM Smithsonian at all? The Bureau of Land Management. It's plausible. I mean, but really they're their own. The thing is that the the Smithsonian is in charge of history for the United States. Now they're connected with the library of Congress. They're they've, they've moved their way into importance. And also when the COVID thing happened, it was a great excuse. I think one of the most important thing was the billion dollars they gave to the Smithsonian foundation to keep the place closed while they continue to work on this museum of history. Now you have to remember in world war II, they were talking about genociding an entire group of people. And they were wondering what they were going to do afterwards. They were going to build a museum in the ghettos. Right? So the Smithsonian, if you start to like go in there and you imagine what it will be like in a transhumanist post-humanist world, well, people that are no longer human will be able to observe what it was like to exist in the human sphere of modernity. You won't be able to see history from the perspective of the actual individual, but you'll be able to see history through the eyes of modernity. So there's probably nothing more dangerous that I can think of in this world. <laughs> yeah. Than at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I mean, so, I mean, obviously the evolution into tech is inevitable unless we were to hit, um, well, okay. Let me just ask you, this is random as fuck, but, uh, what do you think about the logistic, uh, happenings of an EMP? Um, do you think that that would be a, a similar, uh, cause like you have these like generational, uh, concepts, of like the mud flood over time was like, okay, one was maybe was water that was like, you know, handed down from like some sort of God or magnetic type of energy. And the, the Anunnaki have a treaty saying that they're not allowed to use water when they destroy us. Next time they have to use fire. Oh, oh yeah. That's a, that's well, then the Bible. that's, that's also, but there's been so many fucking fires. I wonder if the age of fire well, there's also has floods. already happened. There's already, there's okay, but there's also, okay. When I but first, a technological flood, I think when, that's what's the next mud flood is a tech I, flood. When I first when I first read the story of Noah and I heard it as a kid, and then I found out the next week that there was a major flash flood that had killed some friend of the family. I was like, "What is God saying? Is this the end of the contract with Noah?" And then my parents said, "No, no, 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 no. God said the whole world. He would never flood the whole world. He'll still have little floods." I'm like, "Okay, well, this is dealing with." God's attorney. I need to talk to a lawyer about this. But <laughs> the thing is, the rainbow represents this promise that God will next time destroy us with fire. Because it, we think of it as saying God will not destroy us with water. But really what it means is, I'm going to give you another chance. And so the rainbow is really interesting because it's used as the symbol, the antithetical symbol 
of pride. It should be used for the symbol of, all right, I got the point. I'm going to be good. But instead, it's used for the reveling in the pride. So there's a, and, and you know, it's not so much about the debauchery as it is about the pride. The, the, this is the, the issue with the, the promise of the fire. So it's kind of labeling yourself. It's the anti-Passover move. Passover is like in a week or something. It's the anti-Passover move, two weeks. We're going to end up with people that believe that the only way to function is to use this technology. And when they're next going to be burned, that could be a solar flare. I could imagine an EMP that would put out technology in in that respect. But I tend to imagine it as like far more brutal. I think there will be um, a similar circumstance where certain people will have to go underground or live in, you know, circ- most people will probably be destroyed in a, a fire-like scenario like that. And we're constantly mm. promising the next meteor to come, volcano to erupt. There's always... But I live in Mendocino, man. This is this is the motherfucking fire capital. Like, right. you know, these hills, man. It's, I used to go to a lot of uh, underground raves there. I recall. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking Skunk of China, underground... Baby. Let's talk about subterranean realms. What you got on that, Exertus? Brutal. Well, okay, so I, let's. <laughs> uh, let me try to. Brutal. Let me try. Let me try to tie it back to the vice special because they called me and they said, "Hey, uh, first of all, I had a friend who watches my show a lot and is you know doing the Exertus thing, and she was Britney is Britney Spears body double dancer lady." <laughs> Apparently, you know, people watch your show. They turn out to be really exciting, interesting <laughs> people. And so she was approached or someone was approached about weird things they wanted to do on TV. And they said, hey, you know, we're looking for someone to talk about Hollow Earth. She's like, I know a guy who can talk about Hollow Earth. And then they asked me, like, do you believe in Hollow Earth? And I was like, well, this is Vice. And they're going to put $50,000 into the show. So, yeah, yeah, I guess I'll be the guy for that. And it was great because I was able to... <laughs> show them my group and our people and how we would research how we would go and look for evidence of hollow earth. And at the same time, they were clearly trying to make us look silly, but I think we won. I think we did a pretty good job showing how to be critical, how to be open-minded, how to be skeptical of both the official narrative and of, you know, plausible, you know, interesting things. But the main thing remains that vice asked me to do a thing on hollow earth. And so it makes me think <laughs> that they want, they want to talk about hollow earth. I mean, it's right after Godzilla, yeah. Godzilla and these movies are coming out talking about these subterranean. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, Godzilla is a little weird, but at the same time, this idea of reptilians, you know, Georgiosaurus mm-hmm. we're talking about, <laughs> uh, you read Beowulf, Beowulf refers to a dragon who's Angelina Jolie in the movie. I and mean, it's a reptilian, beauty who's cogent and very similar to a human cognizant in the same ways anthropomorphic in the same ways but reptilian in the david ike sense so if beowulf is doing this and they're talking about caves you know you start to start you you start down the rabbit hole as we said more and more there are uh examples of extremophiles everyone's hinting at there's tardigrades there's these sea snails, they're calling uh, dragon sea snails, the, the volcanic sea snails. They can live at 300 degrees centigrade and are living in sulfur. Holy so, shit. So, yeah, I've never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, you got to see it. it look, they literally look like something out of that, um, you know. That, what are they called again? I'm looking this shit up. 
look at volcanic sea snails or um i think that's right extremophile sea snails i think volcanic sea snail will get you let me see can i see snails volcanic snails maybe that's what i'm looking for yeah the volcanic okay here i'm gonna send you the link to it because the word is complicated um <laughs> it's the chrysomalian chrysomalian squamiferum in fact, can I can I screen share? Is that yeah, a plausibility? Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna show you something real quick. Y'all seen this before? Whoa! Do you ever watch uh, Alien versus Predator? You know what I mean? Like this is yeah. like literally this thing can live at 300 degrees centigrade, probably more. <laughs> it's got metals in its body, and is I mean, it's awesome. It's like it's the coolest gastropod I've never eaten. So I'm I'm gonna say <laughs> you gotta look into the sea snails, but. There's so many examples of these extremophiles, something that loves phila, extreme conditions, extremophiles. So something that lives at 300 degrees centigrade exists. BBC, as soon as I said I was going to do this, and NPR and a couple other channels sort of saying, we found evidence and it's irrefutable. So all you normies, to stop beating up your family over this, we're going to make a you know, a concession on this one that there really are seas underground. There's an ocean underground bigger than all the seven seas combined. And there's a freshwater sea beyond the ocean because that's kind of one of the main differences, even though it's not fully accurate. You might go deeper into, you know, excuse the pun, the definition of an ocean to find that there are literally waves, currents, all kinds of life. Why are we so obsessed with drilling into Antarctica's ocean? Uh, you know, and then this year, uh, was the first time that a company from MIT was going to build a drill to get geothermal energy from 12 miles deep, which is the same distance as the hellhole in Russia. Might be Ukraine. Or, no, it's in Siberia. Please, at some point, um, I did on Adam. Is Kruger's that where Parsons and Elrond went to do their worship over at the That was Scotland. I thought it was Scotland. I could be wrong. Is that not Scotland? Did they go to Russia for that? I, I thought he remember. would. I just like, so I thought recall, that was a name. I, I recall him going to Loch Ness, and then he has the house he sold mm-hmm. to Jimmy Page, which ended up being used by um, Ozzy Osbourne. And the story is the Loch Ness monster, which is similar to the Argentinosaurus and Michele and Bembe, is really a legitimate um, creature from the pre reset time, but that it's been manifested in different, uh, it's been invoked because it can feed on the uh, energies or whatever, you know, I don't want to go too Scientologist, but if you've seen that movie after earth with Will Smith, where he's like, this thing can only sense your fear, very Thetan based technology. If this thing is able to recognize um, that, oh, okay. The main thing is there's not, there's literally one story about Loch Ness monster before El- um, Alistair Crowley, before he was there, you've got a sainting, of a guy who defeated a Loch Ness monster in the 12th century. And then there's nothing up until he comes back and then he starts doing his magic. So, but uh, this was not about Loch Ness. This was about Russia. Okay. The hell hole. So I did a show for Adam Krigler or on Adam Krigler's show recently, and he recorded it, but you can find this yourself at some point, look up the Russian 12 mile deep hole because it's the hell hole and the sounds it makes are screams that literally sound like you're in hell. There's no better description. I don't know how else you could describe it. It's just ah! screaming, horrifying sounds. 
And they dug this hole for 30 years and then they built a little lid over it because they were like, we're sorry, at the collapse of the Soviet Union. Now, if that's not ominous, I don't know what is, but it's the same depth of the Mariana Trench. So it's the Soviet equivalent, but they drilled down instead of going in the ocean to do it. If you look at the Mariana Trench, you'll also find very strange kinds of life that exist that are able to deal with pressures, don't have bone structures, produce certain kinds of molecules that will expand and collect. There there, there are um, smaller kinds of molecules, different kinds of metals than iron that can hold on to the oxygen better. So we know the world is full of wild, bizarre, crazy things. It's just becoming more and more clear, but we're worried more about the Godzilla aspect. Is Godzilla living in uh, Asgard? Are there other Telosian citizens with these gold towers? I mean, the stories of Telos are, and the same with Agartha, that, that the gold you find around those areas are from the explosions from that civilization. And that California is covered in the, the top of the civilization, shattered everywhere, and the bottom of the civilization continued underground. My experience yeah, after going, I fuck with that. Yeah, talking to remote viewers and finding our way to to our cave. Something that's not clear in the episode is that we got the government to give us the rights to go a mile deeper into the caves than anyone else has been allowed to go in in the uh, in, in the Californian regions connected with Telos. Um, the problem that's tight. That's yeah, awesome. The problem being that we got a remote viewer as well. And she did the remote viewing and pretty sure she, while she's doing it, she's like, oh, they're they're not happy with the fact that we're coming. And then there was this giant fire, the California fire last year, the biggest fire that we've had. And, oh. and now they're they're saying people aren't ever allowed back, probably, to that location of uh, the national forest that we were going to. So how many dumbs are a national forest? Like, is our national forest just like homes of like secret, secret things or what? Okay. So one of the craziest things I think about national forests is they weren't created by environmentalists, but about real, by, by pragmatic realists who were interacting with fairies. And so the, the, the fairy treaties were created, the fairy treaties were created in order to stop the complete <laughs> destruction of the entire civilization of man. And so they realized at a certain point they had to not mess with these certain areas. And this is something that Shakespeare talks about turning their bodies sideways. They couldn't be seen, but eventually when we started to encroach upon their lands, they said, okay, well you can have these areas. We don't even care, but you're going to stay out of these microbiomes. And these microbiomes have become the most important thing for, you know, in general life, has to thrive there. You have to imagine a completely atheist world that doesn't believe in magic, doesn't care about fern gully. You know, in a hundred years, where is the medicine going to come from? Where are the mushrooms going to come from? How much trust do you really have in synthetic human-based technology? Is it None. better? Is it better than technology yet? Will it ever be? I mean, I'm sorry. When I said that, that was so Freudian. Uh, it, was it better than nature? Because to me, nature is technology. It's just the best kind of technology. It's the kind of technology you live and die by, you know? And so humans don't quite get it yet. That's the... Yeah. 
tech is stemmed from nature. I mean, like that's what I've, I have like this like thing. We have like, you know, the, the, the consciousness cosmos, which is the same as, you know, our mind and consciousness is as vast as the cosmos are because you can't see an edge to your mind, right? You can't see an edge to the universe, but you also can't see an edge to the internet. And so it's like the human creation of the cosmos and the consciousness, but we are just emanating what we know from nature corresponding and reacting with our consciousness and so it's like it's fucking crazy and that's why i was like damn we're crawling into like you remember roger rabbit and those like black hole things you throw on things like that's my favorite (laughs) my favorite plot device in the whole world i know that black hole so bad dude i fucking want one man Oh uh, yeah, I don't know, man. We're fucked, man. Elon Musk. I got kicked off of Instagram for trolling on. I called Elon Musk a hoe like a bunch of times, <laughs> and then they're just like, "You're banned." And I was like, "You sons of bitches." That's, that's a really weird reason to get banned. But yeah, so that's you know, earlier tonight, right before this, I just did my show with Hashi Tischler, who's running for New York's um, council, council, whatever, Brooklyn. And you know, the main questions that would keep coming up about censorship right and so the open network foundation i think we mentioned at the beginning i'm trying to do this thing with tim uh pool mm-hmm. and ian crossland to try to build this alternative to google and facebook it's not so much that we want them not to exist it's that we want a non-unipolar experience to the internet the way the world became unipolar means that you have these you know the, the roses are painted red today and we have to just ban speech about this subject today but tomorrow that might not be true. It's so much better to be able to say, well, at least in this sphere, I'm allowed to get that message out. So it might be isolated from the Western Hemisphere or the Eastern Hemisphere, but the North or South Hemisphere are able to continue to proliferate that idea and, and continue to thrive. Multipolarism is the, is the main concern today with technology. And I, I don't think we're in a situation where we can't say these things, that we can't make a difference. It's not that we're even trapped by the paradigms they're telling us that we have. It's just that we need to be able to know uh, and be able to let go of what we believe, right? What we need to know what we believe. Why do we believe it? And we have to be able to let go of that for certain moments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I was just thinking of like, when we're talking about technology, I was thinking about like the toll text and the Aztecs and the text is, uh, and then, you know, of America being remnants of Atlantis or whatnot and the technology. I wonder if there's some connection there to that tech aspect. Uh, tech is tech. I have to wonder, I'd love to look more into the Mayan etymology of tech. I know that tech is, uh, in, is Indo-European and it, it comes from Sanskrit. So, um, Tech, tech, tech name means like to weave. So if you think about oh, program, programming, another word for programming is coding and coding and coding means to weave. So the weaving of a, of a tapestry, um, it, it, similar to combine. Oh, like textile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Textile is. Uh, oh, word. Right. So I would love to know more about the Mayan uh, definitions. My, one of my first teachers in anthropology she has son in in latin america who's growing up in mexico actually not in uh even south america growing up in the the temples uh, around yucatan and by about 10 years old they knew who they were and they knew what they were living in they were the parents were saying we wonder if this is phonetic we wonder if this is 
I, uh, uh, symbolic or hieroglyphic. And the kid's like, yeah, yeah, it's both. Yeah, here's the deal. And I, you know, just by growing up there, wow, they were immersed in the technology and, and able to see it. And you start to realize, okay, technology is a major part of every hieroglyph or yeah. The um, I, I forget. Gosh, I was just looking at the names of the codices from uh, the Aztec codices. I, I can't remember, but oh, if you, send us a link on that when you do a mass on super tight. If you type Aztec codex, you're gonna find like six uh, that are available because there's one. There's the French one. There's another one that's the Spanish one, and there's one in the London Library, and there's one in Russia, and the one the Russian one's the best understood by this complete outsider. Who was looking at it? Uh, I'm sorry. I'll have to look into the names. We'll do another thing where we talk about it. But what was the the main point is the technology is at the epicenter of every Mayan glyph. You know, the idea that these animals have better technology. So you mesomorphic, you know, digestion of the technology that humans are connected with these um, biomes, which are living spaceships, that space is not outer, but space is here. And then we're living in space is also a very Mayan concept, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we're getting to the point now where uh, Mayan uh, civilization is so misunderstood again, because it was already misunderstood when we first dealt with it. But now we're back to the point where people are saying, Oh yeah, they used to murder each other. They're just sacrificing each <laughs> other all the time. Yeah, They're just super bad. It's like we completely missed the point that the Europeans went through the exact same thing, that we have a, a point of civilization that has a height and then there's the dilapidation. There's a, the, but the, the main thing is it never ends at the height. The high hill is the middle always. And then there's always the there's a continuation. Excellent. I can dig that. I got a, I got one final question for you uh, as we kind of wrap up here and then Roman, you can go. Uh, how do how do we connect um, Atlantis, uh, Lumeria to Tartaria? What is how do we get to there from there? I guess the best way to say it is Atlantis was one of the first accounts of a city from the era of Lemuria that was part of Tartaria. So Atlantis is mentioned. You hear about it. Hypatia mentions it. Herodotus talks about it after the Library of Alexandria. He's saying, hey, I know people that have talked about this thing. It was better than we have now, but it was a couple generations ago. So and are we, the Tartarians the survivors of the Atlantic flood or the Atlantis no, flood? It's, it's that Atlantis is one of the city-states that okay. existed and was confederated across the world. Instead of having a new world order, it was an old world trade confederacy. And these different civilizations were really multipolar in a lot of ways. They had sovereignty, but they were connected and they were equalized in, this, in the sense that they had access to volcanic free energy. Their populace was able to have lack of scarcity to work towards better traded goals. Lemuria is clearly connected to this idea of spirituality. So many of them were aware, mm. according to the Blavatsky myth, and this is the thing, a lot of the Blavatsky myth isn't archaeology. It isn't anthropology. It is myth. Is she the remote- intuition straight up? Right. And she could be true. It could all be true. It could be that her based intuition off of happened. a lot of fucking research, though. I mean, she yeah. was incredibly well read. Absolutely. I'm not. And I wouldn't again, I, I wouldn't take it away from Blavatsky. But I would just say 
you know, I've made mistakes in my intuitions by assuming things where I've thought, yes. for instance, the, the collapse of the intelligentsia was associated with um, the, you know, the, the bourgeoisie instead of the, in, the Orthodox church. You know, the thing is the roles can be picked up by anybody when they're necessary to be performed. So the roles could change and the people that are famous for them could be replaced with other people that could do that. And it could be a completely new cast. And the problems with the church controlling intelligentsia are just as bad as celebrities controlling intelligentsia or the state. You know, there could be all, all sorts of, anyway, Blavatsky saying that Lemuria had a spiritual dilemma, a material dilemma that messed with their spirituality and led to them leaving and going out into the world uh, and then saying, we're going to internalize technology. We're going to get rid of the physical technology, but remember the math. We're going to get rid of the fork, but we're going to know how to use chopsticks. This kind of thinking is, um, it could be a little. A cult at its, at its core, right? It's a cult at its core, but it's also true. You know, I wouldn't, I mean, it's, it's a difficult thing to argue against. I mean, clearly that's what happened. Like there are groups <laughs> of people that went everywhere and you have, imagine if Apple had shattered and you've got the dudes who program the software go to one island and the dudes who uh, wrote, built the hardware go to the other island. And so they literally are for generations unable to interact with each other. And one says, this is so important. Even if you don't understand why you're going to sing about it and memorize it. And then, you know, in a thousand years, they end up meeting on the other side of the world and say, wow, isn't it great that your technology and your civilization and my technology, and my civilization just perfectly make the whole thing holistic. Isn't that just great? Isn't that gravy? But yeah, so there is some truth to the Lemurian idea of internalized technology of a mass exodus. You got to have the Holy Trinity, right? Yeah. But I am of creation, existence, destruction, and the Trimurti. You have to the Trimurti. But um, the other thing, the, tri the Trinity has been um, uh, defeminized. It's been emasculated. By emasculating it, it's been emasculated because there's no femininity to make the masculine relevant. So you have to rebalance the Trinity um, and the quadrinity, the quadrinity, what's called the quadrinity, the quadrinity ah, process. Mm. The, the Catholics are all about the quadrinity process. Cake has that great album, Prolonging the Magic, where you have the devil's chair pulled away from the Trinity. The quadrinity is important as well to this entire understanding. The, the Freemasons uh, and the Grand Arch Royal Freemasonry and um, D are all obsessed with four because there's the dynamic. Yeah. yeah. But the, I, I just want to say, I agree with the idea that Lemuria has expanded around the world and brought that technology in whatever factor to Malta, to Peru, to uh, Baalbek, to Persia, etc. But that there's clearly the evidence here is that we are talking later, you know, Blavatsky talking later about the land of the lemurs, the land of Mu, and it's not so much uh, the same as physical evidence of Tartaria, which we have plenty of physical evidence of Tartaria. It's on every map. It's not, I mean, Lemuria is from before the sinking of the continent. Tartaria literally still is on top of land. If you go right now to um, Tartarstan in the Russian Federation, which again, I have an interview with- The girl. last living Tartarians. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. official. I have great interviews with the last living Tartarians from Tartarstan. And you got to see what it's like there. Cause they're like, yeah, I guess I'm Islamic, but I practice yoga and it's more of a feeling. And you're like, Whoa, what are these blue eyed Muslims from Tartarstan? And their, their capital is called Kazan, which is, you know, Kazan tip is the most important Ukrainian festival that was taken out for Crimea, but also Kazan means cauldron 
which is the melting pot. And America is built upon the concepts of Tartarian melting pot. And that they say a sorcerer uh, on top of a volcano put this melting pot. So there's just in tarmacs where the generals and Tarkans and et cetera, et cetera. You'll find that the evidence of Tartaria is so pressing that it doesn't matter if you're, this is mainly to your friends who are saying, I can't talk to anybody about this. Well, maybe you can't talk to anybody about Lemuria, but you can find evidence to talk to progressive Democrat, liberal, whatever's about Tartaria. It fits into the normative structure enough that will lead them eventually to Lemuria. And that's, that's, I think the, the, the value there also that it's not just one place like Atlantis. Wow. Yeah, that's a good way because people need – they have to have like physical things. Like I was just talking to a buddy about that yesterday. He's like – he's like, uh, you know, people don't believe in ghosts ever. You can never have the consensus believe in ghosts because there's no like physical way Except to see for it. Jesus. Because... He's the Except... Holy Ghost. What I find weird also is that <laughs> a lot of my atheist friends and a lot of my friends who are, you know, like conspiratorially a little bit more agnostic – let's say people that don't just buy into the truth right away or don't buy into the lie right away either. I mean, cynics, I, I know a lot more people that are op- like the mainstream normative um, people that are interested in ghosts. For instance, I think you could say Tim pool is interested in, yeah. in uh, paranormal far more than he's interested in some of the um, occult or uh, Gnostic concepts. I mean, not that he's fully against them, but He's very interested in that, and he would love to have you know evidence of uh, electric meters picking up on ghosts. He would love to have a show that proved or disproved the evidence, the material evidence of ghosts. There's something that people love about about ghosts, but I don't think it's um, fully false to say that there are spirits, fairies. I believe in. I believe in uh, metaphysical consciousness. I think it's very clear that biology is God spirit. Um, the Hegelian Geist is is true. The the Soviet um, concept of the man without a soul doesn't hold water. Uh, even even the idea of the Slavic di- uh, demon that that you become when Damn your home. body dies, the thing you focus most on, right? That energy is the thing that lives beyond you. So spirituality is the inevitably most ev- self evidential thing. That will continue to exist beyond material because material can only last for so long. So we constantly look for ontological intention and we can prove that energy and spirit matter. Um, I do think that the Chernobyl ghost thing is creepy. Like if you you saw there's a group of the ghost hunters. I don't even watch those kind of shows, but my friends, like I said, like they're into this. So I checked it out. There was an episode where they didn't even get the real team. They got a whole other group of people. They're like, well, you guys are the B list. I forget how they did that with X-Men. It was, it was the same thing. We're like, you guys are the, the dolls that we spend $7 less on. And then they sent them to Chernobyl, which is on one hand, not impressive to me because I have friends in the Ukraine and, you know, living in a nuclear fallout zone is only scary. If you really believe in the petroleum com- gasoline company's uh, propaganda campaign, but if you if you imagine that you know there is some danger, you probably wouldn't want to live around radiation. So they sent in their secondary team, and when they got there, they were fully creeped out. They would go into these corners, a desk would fly up out of the elementary school in Pripyat, and their batteries were just like they go into a corner of a dark area, their batteries were just drained. 
And so I love, I don't, I don't necessarily believe it, but I love the idea that radiation is somehow uh, holding on to the consciousness that existed at that moment. And that somehow you've got these, Magical ghost. I think that's a great story. And ghosts feed on electricity, like you say. So they're just yeah. sucking up all the magnetic energy. So they're going to the poles and they're just driving it like a stick shift car. And they're just like all the, it's like Ghostbusters, <laughs> right? Ghostbusters holds a lot more validity to fucking some fucking right. esoteric paranormal type of fucking truce that might be out there, yo. So this is why I'm allowed to be on these shows. I mean, because if you think about it, like I'm supposed to be talking about this, you know, circumstantial bourgeois, you know, blase evidence that the Euro uh, councils accept, et cetera. But I read too many comic books. I saw too much uh, Star Wars <laughs> and I, I know too much of the, the paranormal uh, you know, stories. So I do, I can't help but admit and consider and cite those examples. But I, I wouldn't say that my whole life should or your whole life should be based on trying to talk to ghosts, but that maybe we shouldn't <laughs> just completely discount the idea that beyond human interactivity is possible. Because if it is and we're, we are discounting it, then we are in very much danger because, you know, look at then you could be talking about far space, far time. You could be talking about uh, hyper holographic space, holographic time. You're still dealing with this concept that you're not in complete control. And the more that we Fuck can, yeah. yeah, the more we can listen and get out of that, the better. I think that's what we're missing from our whole, our whole plan. Our whole plan has been to tell other people, Hey, here we are. Here's what we are. We're not doing enough of the, who are you? What is it? What is it out there? Kind of thing. <laughs> Roman, you got a final question? Uh, what's up with that picture right behind you, bud? What is that? Some orphan train shit going on there? What's happening with that back screen? Screen yeah, saver there, man. That's basically it. You got a bunch of foundlings being brought in, and there's I think there's a uh, Peter Pan putting his he's soaping his shadow <laughs> on. <laughs> you know what? I'm just a real metaphorical guy. I'm meta guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, no, I've I fucking I I'm I'm stoked this happened. I you were the first person. Three or four years ago, uh, on this podcast, like the nerd word or some shit, it was like powdered milk. Milkman is their logo. That's how I like truly remembered it. I remembered this crazy name with the X <laughs> and a powdered milkman. And I was just like, bro, I heard about this shit, Tartaria. And it's one of these things that really cracked the egg. Um, got to where we're at now and it's like years later it's just like it's never not been it's so much information coming in from all over the collective consciousness seems to just be like crazy um spreading the shit but you were in it in the beginning so it's an honor and uh yeah man like i i really enjoy your shit and uh i'm totally gonna check out your fucking vice and hope you got some more videos coming up man because video content is the future if you want any leeway and any sort of you know money doing this shit at all so i've got my sword i've got my shield i'm fighting the blacklisting and the censorship <laughs> and the shadow banning i'm doing my best and it's really you guys are my comrades and my arms if it weren't for you and who knows where I'd be? I'd probably be in a ditch cover on petrol on fire somewhere. So I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I, hey, I could be Seth Rich any day. So I appreciate any chance I get to get this data out. And, yeah. you know, seriously, I love the questions. I love you guys. And I, my main regret is I didn't get to hear more from you. So let's yeah. definitely do it again. <laughs> for sure, yeah. man. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we appreciate your time. Thanks for being here. Uh, tell the good people where they can find you at. So oh, you know, all your I'm, links, all your stuff, all your websites, all I your TV way... shows, all your metaverse, <laughs> all your 
way too many. Go to <laughs> xirtus exert dot exert or exert exertus or go to andreas dot me and you know it's, I'm, I'm trying to make it easier. But basically, if you type Andreas exertus xirtus into anything now, luckily people like you have made it possible for my name to beat the Zuck. The, to defeat the shadow band. Fuck because yes. If you look for my name, you probably won't find my channel right away unless you go to my website, but you will find somebody who's talked to me or rather listened to me rant at them. So I appreciate that opportunity and <laughs> enjoy. Thank you so much. And if you guys aren't down with that, wake, wake up. up.